Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Muscovy Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adamazenheimer. And we have got another packed show for you this week. It's another one of our bumper shows. I think it's getting to the stage, Zach, now that why don't we just say we've transitioned to a, a three-hour show? Because that's what a lot of our episodes are veering towards now. We started I, I, off as a one-hour show, transitioned to a two-hour show. I think we've gone to the full three hours now. I thought we said that like five, six years ago during the off-season. <laughs> yeah, that was more as a joke, but it's now become a kind of reality. But well, I mean, it, was, it was a joke that was true, though. That yeah. like, A lot of things that are true are funny, right? True, true. But that's I, what you're always telling me anyway. Yes, I mean, it's not because we're just talking for the sake of it. Some folk may disagree that listen to it. I mean, there's been so much football that has gone on since the last episode. I have to say right off the bat, most of it has been absolutely heartbreaking stuff. And it's it's not a joyous show that we're going to have for you. But there is a lot of things to talk about. We're going to be talking Canadian women's national team in the World Cup. We're going to be talking oh. white caps in the League's Cup. We're going to be talking League One BC. We're going to be talking CPL. I've got interviews and audio to bring with you to, from Axel Schuster uh, on the League One side, Chelsea Hannison, Steve Simonson, Ali Ahmed. Sat down with a, a good chat with Ali this week. So we've got a lot to, to bring you. It is going to be a packed bumper show. It's all going to be broken down so you can listen to the bits that you want. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into it, how has your week been, Zach? Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a good week. Uh, lots going on at work. Yeah, lots going on in life. Yeah, no, it's been good. I, I've had an eventful week. Was in hospital on Tuesday just for a, a checkup of something. So it's all good. So everything's good there. Then that league's cup game, which we're going to kick the show off in a sec on Friday night. That was just wonderful occasion and so many yeah. ways and then a horrendous trip <laughs> over to Victoria where we'll come to everything that went wrong both on and off the pitch during that trip it made me appreciate that I don't have to do that trip to the island very often and is seriously making me think I think it's worth just paying for a helicopter 
Yeah. Are you, are you going to go September 30th? What's September 30th? Your buddy Josh Hurd is, is playing Vancouver FC. Maybe. I think it might be a UBC game that night. Oh, you got, oh you're working. Yeah. Right? I, 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 my recollection is I did look, and that that was one of the things. And of course, I didn't go to Vancouver FC this week, so they lost. So apologies to you and yeah, yeah, everyone yeah, at Vancouver yeah. FC. Some people, some people did blame you in the stadium. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, I, I think I'll be at the next game. I, I've I was... looked, and I think I could be at the next three actually, weather permitting, because we'll get to that. But it looked baking. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the good thing is with the aluminum stands, you just, you speak of baking, you just bring your bacon and eggs and you put it out there and it's ready to go. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I do like my food. And let, let's segue into the first thing we're going to talk about. Whitecaps, quickly oh, yeah. on in the, the League's <laughs> Cup, where the Whitecaps, for the occasion, brought out a special Mexican churro. And how was it? I got a sample on yeah. Thursday uh, in the pre-match press conference. Absolutely delicious. Very, very Moorish. Very greasy. Heavy on you. You couldn't have more than one. <laughs> That's how... <laughs> you, you would think. <laughs> you, you specifically told me that friends had more than one. Yeah, I, I only had one. Now, a, a certain media member... And we won't we won't say who he is, oh, narrowing it down. Well, maybe not because Harris away in Australia, but a certain media member had three. And like I say, we won't name and shame. All I'll say is, from a podcasting point of view, the AFT and Soccer Show could be missing a Felipe shaped hole in the the months to come if he doesn't get those arteries cleared out. But we'll move on. The Leaks Cup build. As two leagues, one cup. Reminds me of a certain film, but this is a, a lot more palatable, I think, the League's Cup than what that Brazilian film was. Have you, have you seen that? Absolutely not. The only reason I know about that, we've talked about this before, right? The only reason I know about what that is, is because Toronto played Columbus away, I think, in like the first match of the year after Columbus had won the MLS Cup. Do you, do you remember this? No. So they were, yeah. So it was it was Columbus away. TFC were in in the the old stadium there. So they all brought newspaper. So as they were presenting the trophy and stuff, all the like thousands all of TFC were, tape. They no, they were just reading newspapers. They just sat in their their seats, oh. like, ignore, ignoring what was happening on the pitch. Huh. But at the same time, they unfurled a little railing banner that said, uh, "Remember." So they had Frankie Hayduke, and was it? Uh, maybe I don't know what the other person was. Maybe Shalato was his hair long at the time. Oh, they, had, they had two guys who had longer hair, but one was Frankie Hayduk for sure. And the TFC banner said two two guys, one cup. <laughs> and so I didn't I didn't know I didn't know what the whole hubbub was about. So I asked I asked you know uh, you know you know him well. I asked Rudy Schuler because I know him from you know U Sector and and the Voyagers. I sent him a message and I was like, what what is this about? He said. Yeah, whatever you do, don't look it up. Yeah, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, don't Google it. Yeah, don't. No. Just shoot me a DM, I'll send you the video. But let's get into two leagues, one cup. Three countries, two leagues, one cup is also how it's been built. A quick 3-2-1. Where's Ted Rogers when you need him? Well, he's at Vancouver FC, but the other Ted Rogers. But 
the Leaks Cup, I think it's fair to say it's had a lot of detractors. There's a lot of folk not in favour of it. The only thing I don't really like about it is it's mid-season and it shuts down the MLS season. If this was an end-of-season tournament, I think it would be even more spectacular. But from from when it was announced, I've been excited by this. I think it's a it's a great potential it has a it has for being a great competition. And I think not just from the Whitecaps game this weekend, but some of the other matches, it really shows the detractors what this competition can be. The clubs are taking it seriously. The players are definitely taking it seriously, and they want to be a part of it. And from the Whitecaps' point of view. Taking on Club Leon at BC Place on Friday night. What a game. What an atmosphere. Just a, a spectacular occasion. One of the best games I think we've seen at BC Place in the MLS era. And one of the best goals that you're going to see at BC Place th- this season. Did you watch it all, Zach? Did you just watch the highlights? Uh, yeah, I do. I just saw the highlights. Uh, I was otherwise. They must have been game. long highlights if they include the whole penalty shoot. No, the, well, that's the thing. I the, the first highlights I look at did not include the whole thing, uh, the whole shootout. I was just like, this is too short when I saw the, the length <laughs> of the view. Um, but uh, no, like that. Okay, I I I will counter your perspective on the tournament. I I don't rate it. Um, I, I think that it's it is mostly meaningless obviously they're they're adding champions league births you know to it and stuff and a shitload uh, of money for the yeah, top okay. three as well it's, it's yeah. the biggest money in club football that they can earn or something in that's north in north america, america or yeah. whether that's the world yeah. i think it's probably north america so you get more for winning this than actually winning the champion the concacaf champions league yeah or, sorry, the, sorry the concacaf yes yeah, you do. I mean, it's it's not as much as a week's wages in the Saudi Premier League, but I mean, in, <laughs> in North American terms, it's it's quite big money. Anyways, I I, I don't personally, I don't really, I don't really, I don't really care about it. However, I will say uh, that yeah, it has had a, a great start, and I, I just to echo what you said. I've heard from multiple people who said the same thing you're saying. It was one of, if not the best games that they've been to at BC Place in the MLS era. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, obviously, it was exciting, and um, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, how the you know, how, how long the how long the that kind of taste lasts for the tournament and whatever, yeah. like depending on how the Whitecaps end up doing. And... Yeah, because like new car smell just now. Everyone's yeah. excited, and and there has been some dramatic moments. Whether it's yeah. it's Messi scoring a free kick winner in stoppage time in his first game, which is like it's one of those things. If you're watching a football movie. And that's in it, and it's scripted. You're like, oh, it's it's almost it's almost like Jason Sudeikis wrote it for Apple TV Plus. Yes, it's like it is that crazy. But I mean, it had all those kind of drama. We'll just look at the the Whitecaps game, and I mean, drama, excitement, atmosphere. There were some off the pitch issues that that will come to. Oh yeah, um, and just basically heartbreak for the Whitecaps after 19 rounds of penalty kicks. Now. The, the match started, not slowly, but I mean, it, it took a little bit of time to, to build up. The The first half of the first half, teams went toe-to-toe without really carving out too much. Is, Ax- is Axel, is Vanny, like, like back to his, I'm only going to play three at the back? Like, is that, like... 
Yes. Is that, no, that, games, that, is, that, is, is that three games in a row now, or my my mind? I think it's it's either three out of four or three in a row. Okay. okay I, I'll yeah. come to that in the next okay. part because okay, it's sorry. something that Axel talks about with the Julian Gressel okay. trade. Right. Right. Okay. Which will make a bit more sense, but it does look like he's wanting to do that. But I'm not 100 percent sure that that is the best thing. Because was it a three-one-four-two or something? Yes. Yeah, it was. It seemed to switch to back four though in the second half, which they had to do, because I the Whitecaps went toe to toe Mm -hmm. with with Leon to start with, and it was going back and forth, and going toe to toe against the Mexican side in general is good, but when it's the Concacaf champions, it, it was impressive. But as the game rolled on, Leon were really starting to cause issues with their pace, especially their quick transition play. And the back three was a little bit under the cosh, which is why there was a, a bit of a, a switch at half-time. Now, Leon took the lead in the 23rd minute. Ivan Morano, it was a deflected cutback. It just came off um, Ranko into his path. He took it well, good mm-hmm. finish. And I was like, ah, okay, they're going to go and push on. And uh, they might win by maybe two, three goals. And just the way the game was going, they were really causing problems. And after the goal, they they continued to cause problems. Vancouver were on the back foot. But then a brilliant equaliser, 44th minute. Sergio Cordova can't stop scoring. Just like we said was going to happen, Zach. I mean, we, we called this. We called the streak. His nickname is now Bacon. He's that streaky. So someone actually asked me what I meant by that and took it more in a negative term, but I haven't had a chance to reply because there were so many tweets and I've been so busy. But what I meant by that is not in any negative way at all, but he's yeah. a player that when he has his confidence up, yeah, yeah. they come in bunches and it is this like game four, came in at a double. Is that like four goals in a week? Four four and three games, so I guess four over eight days. Oh, no, actually, yeah. it would be a... A week? No, it wouldn't yeah. be a week. It'd be about ten days. Ten days, okay. Four and, four and ten days. But that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Just block out all the, the, the other part of the season. Have have to talk about Sebastian Berhalter's setup for this. Long oh, yeah. ball forward. He brought it down well. Cut inside superbly, and then played the perfect pass. Threaded it through for Cordova to run onto, mm-hmm. and a great finish. And a, a very a confident finish. Yeah. Two three weeks ago. I would not have, not have expected him to no. get that. But now you, he's oozing confidence. Do you think also, you talk about uh, how some of the players have been up for it. Do you think this playing against a Mexican side for him, like raise raise it for him? Like, Well, yeah. I mean, Ryan Gold spoke about it as well. Like, These are the games that it's something different for them. Yeah. Which, if, which is if, also, I, I know lots of fans have spoken about that. Like, it's nice yeah. to go to a stadium and not see a team I've seen, like, whatever, 15 yep. times over the last 10 years. And because it's regional, they're, like we've got the Galaxy and it's like yeah. Portland, San Jose, Seattle, RSL in the same group. That's not got that excitement. Yeah. And it was something I'd, I'd asked Vanny, we'll hear a little bit from Vanny later in this part, but I'd, I'd said to him, he'd spoken during the Champions League run that for him, the LA game, the big disappointment for him was that it wasn't a Mexican team. He yeah. wanted to be challenged by a Mexican team and he didn't get it. So he got that opportunity to, to do it and coach it. And, uh, I mean, it, it was a great performance. That goal by Cordova levelled it. 
Then 57th minute, Cordova made it mm. 2-1. Wow. And this time, it was an, a, a great thread through ball by Gold, but it all stemmed from a Leon corner mm-hmm. that Gold came to him on the edge of the box. He clears it and then follows out right away and knocks it off the foot of the, the Leon player, tears forward, and I've got to give so much credit to, to Cordova. He put on the Jets to get forward. Yeah. Because it was Ryan against two defenders and he had no help. And then from nowhere, Cordova's ahead of him and Gold threads through another fantastic ball. And the was... finish this time from Cordova. Yeah. They kind of held it up a little bit and enough for the keeper to commit and then just threaded it through between the back of the keeper and the defender. Yeah. Great finish, great goal all round. Yeah. The. You could see the like football IQ of both of them like linking up on the play, just with Ryan's you know, burst forward to like you said to get on the end of his own clearance, uh, essentially, and uh, uh, Cordova following up. But like then just to make that kind of run where he knew Ryan could put put the ball for him, and then for Ryan it felt like it was easy. But it was yeah at the same time it was brilliant. Yeah, when I watched it back, I was like, you know what, that is a very difficult pass to yeah. get right. And, I mean, it, it was fantastic pass, and then Cordova just all round. And, yeah, we'd given him a hard time this year, but I said all along, I want him to succeed. And we needed him to get that first goal to see if we would get the RSL Cordova. And right now we do. My worry was this break was maybe going to see him go off the boil. Hopefully there's a few more games and just the, the one coming up next weekend to keep that ticking over a little bit. With that assist, though, Ryan Gold became the club leader for assists in the MLS era. 27 overtaking Pedro Morales across all competitions. Great stuff by Gold. I mean, you think how much of a future he's got ahead of him here. I mean, it's very exciting. Also very exciting the way that him and Cordova are linking up and the form that Cordova's in. Maybe Fanny was right all along. Is it not the time to ask, what's the state of Ryan's contract? Well, he's here for four years. So, right. I mean, that that's that's a guaranteed four-year. Okay. So he still has like a year and a half left or, yeah. uh, or two years after this. So, I mean, you, you knew when the Whitecaps went in the lead that Leon were then just going to throw everything at them to, to try and get back level. But Whitecaps fans, fear not. Because you've got that lead just to see things out, to bolster things up. Let's bring on Russell Tybert with 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but you did. Hmm. So. Several folk have brought it up to me on Twitter and in some DMs uh, and a couple of emails as well, funnily enough. <laughs> I mean, he came on in the Galaxy game and the Whitecaps were doing well. They, they saw that game out comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. They won that, right? Yeah. That's all that mattered. Yeah. Now, I, I, obviously I am being a little bit facetious, but there is a trend that this has happened a couple of times. And it's not that Russell's played bad. It's just when he's coming on, there's been a drop of quality from guys that's making way. Well, it's not um, like anything has happened that would see him come on more in midfield, is there? No. I mean, he came on for Shopf who, I mean, he, he had a, 
a fairly solid game. But, I mean, Schopf is, is certainly better than Tybert. I mean, Tybert's come on and, like, Kubis and Viti have made way in the past. There's a big drop-off. Oh, Viti's uh, out injured at the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. 77th minute now. And yeah. what a strike it was a from Elias Hernandez. I think that is going to be one of the best goals we see at BC Place all year. Set up nicely as well, though, by Barrero. And everything then that Hernandez did just perfectly hit. Nothing Takeoka could do about it. I thought Leon might have pushed on and just sneak that late winner. They were really getting roared on by the crowd at that point. But full credit to the Whitecaps. They held on and they went toe-to-toe again. And it was an exciting closing to the game. Both sides had chances, but went to the penalty shootout. Was it a penalty shooter or was it a post-crossbar challenge? Ha! It 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 felt like a whole new game. It was yeah. like one of those mini games I had in the NASL year. It went on for so long. It was getting to the stage that I was like, "Oh, please just get this to end." It's kind of gone on a little bit too long now. Nineteen rounds. Leon win it in the end, sixteen to fifteen. Luis Martins, the unlucky man to miss the decisive penalty, he missed two in the shootout. I I think because it had gone. He- he won the the post crossbar challenge on the night, though. Oh yes, <laughs> I mean we should mention he did hit the post late on for the Whitecaps that could have been the winner. Yeah, and then yeah, just uh, unfortunate during the shootout as well, which which was a shame for him because he had a good game. Mm-hmm. It had it, when it had got to fifteen fifteen, even before that, I think uh, the general feeling was it was going to be a mistake and a miss that was probably going to be deciding it. Because the keepers, after their early saves, look tired. Yeah. Understandably so. Because <laughs> you're mentally dealing with that. And then Takaoka got so close to so many shots yeah. as well. Well, no, that, that save he made, I can't remember who the shooter was, the save he made where he gets his hand to it, but it's still going in, but he gets it with his foot was, was quite brilliant. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't come down to Russell Tybert missing the decisive penalty. Because he was next up again as well. Because when it was coming up to him in the first round of the shootouts, I went up to JJ Adams in the press box. I went, you know this is shaping up for Russell to miss a decisive penalty and then social media is going to implode. And then he scored it and I was relieved for him because like, genuinely he would have got a lot of abuse for that and I don't think that's right. But then mm. I was a bit worried it was then going to come round to the second come one back as well because he was going to be the 10th taker. Yeah. In the end, it was Luis Martins that missed. I mean, it was a great shootout. Not the longest ever. I actually tweeted this out um, back last last year. I think it took place in about March last year in an English non-league cup game. I don't know how many rounds it went to, but Washington beat Bedlington 25-24 in a penalty shootout, and I believe that is the world record for the longest penalty shootout. So I was thinking, oh, we might get up to this, and it's going to be a bit of history, and folks going to be talking about it. But it's a it's a horrible way to lose, but it just added to the excitement of the night. What I will say, though, is a number of fans left the stadium. Shocking that. Because there had not been an announcement that it was going to go to penalties. Now, if you'd been following stuff and reading up, you would have known, but yeah. not everyone's going to do that. 
And I, I've had some hardcore fans that have been chatting that didn't know it was going to go to penalties either. But the final whistle blew, and I saw folk going, going up the tunnel, and I was thinking, you need to make this announcement that's going to penalties right away. And they were very slow. It was a good 30-odd seconds before they made the announcement. So a lot of folk did turn back and come back in, but some had left, and they wouldn't have heard the announcement. So I, I will say that was a, a bad thing from the White Cats' point of view. They got a lot right on the night, but that that was one of the things that should have been mentioned as the, they did the stoppage time. When they said, six minutes of stoppage time, if the game is finished after that, it's going to go to penalties. Yeah. That would have been the time to do it. Yeah. It's not trying to jinx it or curse it. They no. should have said, said it then. There was also... I've had a few people message me about what what was going on at the game because you kept hearing a, a lion's roar and there was playing goal songs like Welcome to the Jungle and stuff when Leon scored their goals and folk were like, what, what was with all that? It's because Club Leon were the home team but under tournament oh, rules right. they can't play right. in Mexico. So this wasn't the Whitecaps putting this game on it was Leon putting the game on as the home team. That's why there was no kids captain. That's why they did the national anthem 10 minutes before the, the players came out. Right. So you could still do the Canadian anthem because CONCACAF club competitions have no anthems. So for those wondering why all that was going on and why the roar was getting played, it's what they do at Leon games. And Leon were the home side. And they did have a very good turnout of fans. Yeah. It was a great atmosphere. They sang throughout, kind of brought the best out of the Whitecaps fans as well. There was times the Leon fans were out singing and you, you couldn't hear the Whitecaps fans. There was thankfully no chants that were very loud that uh, needed the announcement or stoppage in the game. Partly though that there were some in certain sections because some folk have got in touch with me. Mm. Uh, I've also had a couple of people get in touch and I, I won't, won't give their names because I hadn't got a chance to ask them. It's okay to mention your name on the show. But they they had mentioned, and one of them's actually written to his ticket rep, they were letting fans in the supporter section in Club Leon jerseys. Yeah, I heard, uh, I heard, I heard a little bit about that. About that. Uh, I think... The, Definitely the not a good thing. The situation I heard about, I think, finally did get rectified, but it took it took a considerable amount of time. Yes, um, is, they called over supervisors, who was yeah. an, an older lady as well. Um, the White Cats fans that were complaining were getting told to to shut up, yeah, and um, yeah, there was a lot of folk not happy. There was a couple of people. The, the person that got in touch with me had brought their sister to the game, and it was her first game. She was a little bit scared of how things were developing because it was getting a little bit testy. Yeah. yeah. And the the Leon fans were refusing to move, which, to be fair to them, if they've bought a ticket and they've not been told you're not allowed to wear your club colours on this because it's the supporters section, I could see why they wouldn't want to move. But there were seats in the stadium they could have gone to sit with, with the Leon well, fans. Just, you know, that, that's normally what happens. Normally what happens if, if, like let's say, for example, Seattle or Portland is playing here and yeah. someone walks down and they're wearing a, a flounders kit. Uh, yeah, security just comes down and says, okay, we'll find you another seat in the stadium. It's usually no problem. Or in the past, it was not, not usually a problem, especially if you had a good relationship with the stewards. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure why it took so long. Because someone was telling me the story um, uh, on Saturday, and it was like, 
Was, I do yeah. wonder if the person that told you the story might have been the person that emailed me as well. No, but... no, no, it's a different no. person. Okay, but but um, but yeah, I, I think uh, hopefully it was good that the, what I the situation I heard about got resolved. Supposedly the person got moved or whatever. Yeah, but like here's the thing: if you show up, uh, even if it is a quote unquote Leon home game, um, and you show up, you're wearing Leon, and you end up in the away fan supporter section, you should know that you shouldn't be there, right? Mm-hmm. Like you. You know, and and or you should totally understand when the when the security comes to you and says, "Hey, yeah, we we need you to move." And we'll and yeah, the stadium's not. There were seventeen thousand people in what twenty seven and a half lower yes. bowl. I mean, there, right? there was certainly places they could move, and there was a lot of space they could have moved over beside yeah. the, the Leon so fans. Well, I heard there was it was like what's the number? I heard like maybe four thousand Leon fans. Oh, I'd maybe say more. Okay, and were they mostly like in the north, like the opposite? Yeah, it was kind of like where they usually put the Sounders fans and stuff like that. But they were kind of they were scattered throughout the stadium. To be to be fair, and there was the odd kind of person making the 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 pee chants and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, but just a a couple of folks said there was a few folk in their section, and then they'd complained about it, and Stuart had spoken to them. Um, so no one was kicked out that I know of anyway from. From what folk have told me, but I mean, on the whole, it, it was a it was a fun atmosphere, and yeah. it, it's those kind of things that we don't get enough of that at BC Place. And I'm not talking about Whitecaps fans here. I'm talking about having visiting yeah, supporters yeah. there in really good numbers. Portland and Seattle have brought good numbers up in the past, but nothing like this. And it was kind of like when it was Mexico, Canada, and there was a good Mexican contingent there for oh. for that game, and it just it adds something a little bit because it's a different kind of support and style, and yeah. I I really enjoyed it, and I hope we get a few more nights like this. Depending on what happens in the group, it might be MLS opposition next, so I don't know, but I mean this was a good yardstick for the Whitecaps as to to where they are as a club on the pitch. And what they can be, because we've talked about this all season, there's a very good team in there that when mm-hmm. they play to their strengths, they can go toe-to-toe with, with anyone. And they did that against the CONCACAF League champs, and they didn't look out of place on there. They got a point in the end. So, I mean, that was all good. And a lot... Next up, it's LA Galaxy and Carson on Saturday. Before that, though, on Tuesday, the Galaxy take on Leon. So the, the situation's basically clear. If the Whitecaps beat the Galaxy, no matter what happens in that other game, the Whitecaps are, are going to be through. They might be first, they might be second if that happens. If they don't get through, then they're going to have a long gap until the, the next game on the 20th of August. Someone asked me if they had contingency plans for maybe playing friendlies. So I haven't heard anything about that, but I will check that. I, I would think it's unlikely, but you may maybe get some of the fringe guys maybe playing some of the university teams or WFC2, Vancouver FC, League One teams. I don't know. There is always that possibility. But th- this competition, it's, it's excited me. It's excited Vanny. So I want to play a little bit of audio now that I got from Vanny on Thursday. So it, it's not really timely so that it doesn't really matter that the game's been played I just kind of wanted his his thoughts and what it meant to him to be in this competition and against Mexican opponents to 
to have this penalty shootout at the end of it and a few things like that. Here's what Vanny thinks about the League's Cup. Outside of the match and what it means to the club, as a coach on a personal level, how excited are you to coach against a different style of team? I am, yeah. Not only me, but so you know, it's, we are all pretty excited in the fact that uh, it's, it's a different competition, different opposition. We're gonna play teams that we haven't played before. We, especially us, we we had the I, w- I would say the luck at the end to have in the, the same the same uh, group of the Concacaf champions. So it's gonna have it's gonna be a very demanding game, but also. I would say a good game to, I would say to compare us with the benchmark of soccer in uh, in North America at the moment, and so yeah, we're, we're very excited, pretty excited. You, you might have to give a kind of political answer to this, but selling the Champions League to fans is sometimes a little bit difficult because they they don't fully understand cup competitions at times over in North America. I'm not just talking in Vancouver, but yeah, yeah, throughout the, entire the continent, month, yeah. this is obviously a new competition that. I'm excited by a number of folk are. Wait, do you look at this, though, as somewhat of a little distraction? You've just hit your form in the league. You've got Sergio Cordova kind of hitting a stride, and now you've got a month between games. Do you want to try and play your your best players to keep them hot, or do you see this tournament as a chance to have a look at some of the fringe guys a little bit? I would say both, in the sense uh, that... Uh, the way that this tournament is structured, in the way that we are we, we're taking a pause with the league for a month, it allows us to do also some regrouping and resetting and to understand uh, which player maybe needs a little time off or which player needs more games in order to to be ready to also to perform till at the end in the final part of the season. But at the same point, we I would say the only way. Uh, there's two reasons. The first reason is a very important competition. It's an official competition, and it's I think it's a huge, especially for MLS teams like us, that uh, um, they don't have sometimes a lot of recognition south of the American border with the Mexican fans. And we know that Mexico is I don't know is really an enormous. Uh, market for soccer so that uh, that can be something that uh, it's going to be very important for for the league not only for us uh, and the other thing is that uh, because of how this tournament is that uh, uh, you need to go through the tournament in order to play games and the best way to prepare yourself to be there at the 20th of august when the league will start again to be ready to go is to play games. Uh, we have to try to, first of all, qualify. That's the first objective, and then we'll uh, we'll see. The, the pitch is obviously something that yeah. Leon's not going to be used to. Do you see yeah. that as an advantage? Yeah, but, but uh, again, uh, I think there's uh, sometimes too much noises about our field. Uh, so last game, I know that the Galaxy complained. Yeah. I think it was the complaint of the the guys that didn't do a good game. So that's the thing. So, but yes, it's different. It's different to play in uh, natural grass and artificial grass. It's different to play to every different artificial surface. So, yeah, uh, they will have the possibility to train today here. So uh, they will they will be a little bit 
uh, used on, on the pitch, but uh, for, for sure it's going to be a little advantage for us. And no draws in the tournament, so yeah. straight to penalties. Is that something that excites you? Do you like that? I know the, the Canadian Championship games would have gone straight to penalties. Yeah. Thankfully, we didn't get yeah. to that point, but th- do you like that? I'm telling you what I think. I love it. I do. Too. Uh, yeah, I love it. I wasn't it. sure what you think. I love it. Traditionalist and I stuff. love it because, uh, especially uh, for me, that would be that should be also the model at the World Cup. It's much better to make decision on the standings when you have very few games, two or yeah. three games, through something that is ability, like the penalty kick, than through something like a goal differential or a number of yellow cards or something. So I really like the fact that uh, um, uh, at the end, if it's a tie, someone is gonna can is gonna win uh, a se- an additional point, and uh, also because. Uh, I'm a fan of the zero-sum game, so when there's three points there, yeah. and if you tie your points, stay there. It's like uh, who, who who takes this point? So that's <laughs> as, as much as I like it, though. Is there maybe a danger that some teams could just say, "Well, let's just get players behind the ball. Let's just try and get to penalties." I don't think so because uh, uh, soccer is no longer like this. If you play, if you play to tie, 99% of the time you lose. So that's uh, that's what happened. So. I I think that uh, it's going to be much more important. Uh, uh, I would say, uh, you know, try to win because in the other way around, getting the full three points is going to give you almost a guarantee that you're through. Yeah. So that's, I think that uh, um, it's not. I think it's not going to be a risk to 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 limit uh, the offensive football, but actually. It's going to be better, especially in a competition, again, when you have very few games, that when you finish in the same point and someone loses because he scored one goal more or he had a yellow card less or he win a game more and the other one tied. I don't think... Uh, I think it's much more fair like this because it's something related to, to soccer skills. Vanni Sartini there, just giving his thoughts on the League's Cup tournament. We'll see how it goes next Saturday. Hopefully they can get through that game against the Galaxy. And we might not have another home game in the next round if we finish second. But if we top the group, we would. I think Leon's probably got to be favourites for that now. But that wasn't the only action that took place this week, Zach. It was the MLS All-Star game. And regular listeners will know how much we love that. Oh, yeah. But I do want to talk about it for a couple of reasons. One, I spoke to Vanny about it, and it, this is mwah, wonderful audio I, from Vanny. Well, and it makes me reminisce, and I, it's almost it's been nine years, so next year will be the 10th anniversary of the time uh, you sent me as the AF team rep to the only All-Star game that's had any meaning for me at all whatsoever. <laughs> Yes, down Bayern, in Portland. Down in Portland. Down in you Portland. got to beat Basti oh. and Schweinsteiger. And... Oh, man. It was, yeah. But Matthias Sammer was the like the TD. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was I, great. I mean, these are the kind of games. Like, if, you're, if you're a fan of the opposition, you're going to love it. So the only year I had a bit of interest was when West Ham were in it. For, for these kind of games. I liked what they did last year which was MLS against Liga Emeki oh right 
And I would be totally fine for them to do that every year. I would also be totally fine for them to go back to the old East versus West. I, I think that that would work well because you're showcasing the league. Yeah. What I think is terrible is you're, you've gone against a team like Arsenal. It's a 5-0 shellacking. Yeah. And far from showcasing the league, it just gives... Con- yeah, detractors in the UK, my friends in Scotland that look down on MLS, look at that and go, wow, and that's the best that MLS could play. What time um, is it? Five past MLS. Yeah. Um, it's a but, horrible look for the league again. Well, it's, like all, it was, it's also awkward because we didn't talk about this with the League's Cup where the MLS teams are in mid-season and the Mexican teams, I believe, are more not in mid-season, right? Um, you have an Arsenal team who is just in preseason getting ready for their season only a few weeks in to playing an MLS team. Obviously, these players don't play together, but they're in mid-season and, yeah, they got they got spanked. I mean, I I didn't watch the game. I had no, no, I I, no, I, I, I didn't watch it. Either. What like I haven't watched any of this either, but I do like the other things around the All Star Game, like the skills thing, because I I when I first came here, I went down to the the Canucks skill thing that they had every year, and it was it's a lot of fun, and those kind of things are a lot of fun. Having the MLS next All Star Game as well, it was East v West. It's it's a bit of fun as well. I like that kind of stuff. And in twenty in twenty in twenty fourteen, I uh, part of my duties for eighteen was covering Russell Tiber. Oh, of course, yes, I had the homegrown the, game, yeah, the homegrown game, and uh, what's his name? Ashton Morgan was a part of that as well. Yeah, that was good times. Yeah, so I mean that's it if I like, and if we ever hosted it here, I would take an interest in it a, a lot more. Th- this does nothing for the league, and I was the, curious. The Cronkies own they still they're, they're they're Colorado and Arsenal, right? So there's like some kind yeah. of owner connection, right? Yeah. So I mean okay. that, that, and also possibly I don't know when they booked Arsenal, but it might have been oh we've got the Premier League champions coming over because they looked like they were going to to win it by that early stage of the season. But I I just feel it doesn't do the the league any favors having games like this with this result. Yeah. I was very curious to get Vanny's thoughts on the All Star Game. Here's what he had to tell me. MLS All-Star game on Wednesday night. MLS got hammered 5-0. I, that... have a high, I have a strong opinion about yeah. that. Can, you, can, I, can I tell you? Well, yeah. Give, give me your opinion on that then before I ask you the question. My <laughs> opinion is that we need to change the way that we select the player in the All-Star game. Because we select always the most exciting player and not the best player. It could be a very strong advertisement for our league to play our best team and play against a very strong team like Arsenal and maybe beat Arsenal because we are in the middle of the season. It would be a fantastic spot for our league. And But in order to do it, we have to field the best team. We didn't field the best team yesterday. We just filled the team with the most exciting players. So I think that we should change the way that we choose the player for the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, I agree. So, I mean, reading between the lines, that team would have been much better with Ryan Gold and Julian Grissel in it. But it's when, when you look, you don't have to comment on that. No, no. That is nothing gives me a look. Um, when, you, when you look at, at that, though, like, there's so many folk in the UK, like, when I talk about Ryan here in Scotland and my friends over there look down on the league and it's like, oh, it's not top quality. Games like that, 
it just gives ammunition to That's folk true. in the UK to That's say, true. Oh, and it's also, not good I, I was thinking about the comment that Ronaldo made. Okay, the Saudi league is better than the oh, yeah. than the MLS. Okay, I I have no idea if it's true or not because I don't know the Saudi league that well. And then now they both like a million players, so I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But okay. if you want to contrast this thing, we need to fill the team that is the best team possible in order yeah. to win those to win those games, because again, uh, the display yesterday is not a good. A, it's a good uh, commercial for the league in terms of excitement, in terms of the organization, in terms of everything. But uh, again, uh, if because of the selection of the player, you have to play with a team with Hani Mukhtar, defensive midfielder, it's hard to win games. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. And, uh, and again, soccer is the most, and, and we are a league that thinks needs to take this thing in. Uh, every opportunity to show towards the world that we are good we need to take it so I would say we should challenge the Saudi league to the all-star game of next time and play the best the, our best player against their best players match them Messi for Ronaldo then that's good cheers buddy so Vani basically an agreement with me it doesn't paint the, the league in a good light. He's all for, like, East and West and stuff as well, and I, it was funny because at the end there, I'd said to him, so what What you're saying to me is, basically they'd have done better if they had Ryan Gold and Julian Gressel in the team. <laughs> this was, of course, the day before, or hours before the Julian Gressel thing broke, so I didn't know it wasn't just going to be the MLS All-Stars that didn't have Julian Gressel in their team. <laughs> might explain the look that Nathan gave me when I mentioned Julian's name but <laughs> but yeah no I mean Vanny just thinks they, they need to look at it differently they need to look at the voting differently and not try and shoehorn players into the wrong positions like apparently Hani Mukhtar was playing defensive midfield wait 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 Vanny said... <laughs> yes, I know the irony it was not lost on me. <laughs> he was against the league shoehorning players into position. Yeah, so I mean, gotta, he basically said play players where they should be played. You got to clip that. Yeah, I know. I should have said, oh, hold a minute. Uh, <laughs> just got a, a, a call coming through just now from a certain Colombian. <laughs> Wait, it's the ironic police. They'd like to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he is right. But yeah, I I think the team would have been stronger with Ryan Gold and Julian Gressel in it. Whitecaps, of course, would be stronger with Julian Gressel in it. But that's no more, Zach. And we're going to talk about all of that in the next part. We'll be back with that after this. Hey, I'm Julian Gressel, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Don't worry. 
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN from Edinburgh, Scotland, Shop Assistants. The opening track to the band's only album, their self-titled 1986 release, was also released as a single in 1986, reaching number 77 in the main UK charts. And that song was called I Don't Want To Be Friends With You. And it's as if Zach, Julian Gressel and Axel knew that I had picked this out as the song from the shop assistants mm. this week because it's a very apt song for the the German's departure. I don't want to be friends with him anymore. He's gone. I, as you know, when the players move on, a lot of the time they're just dead to me after that. Yeah, I'm... I don't know. I think that might be dead to you. I think Axel has a good relationship with the player. No, he he does. Like I again, I'm partly joking there. Some players I do feel that way about. I have no ill will towards Julian Gressel at all. You can look at players that's been at the White Caps over the the MLS era, and there's a few you would question their commitment to the team. You would question. Did they give it all on the pitch? You cannot say that about Julian Gressel. His contribution as a white cap in the year that he was here was tremendous. Yeah. Two-time Canadian Championship winner as well, apart from anything else. But his form this season, the goals, the assists, his just general contributions to the team. If anyone is hating on Julian Gressel for this, like, give your head a shake. So, okay, can, can I just... Uh summarize events and you can correct if i have any. sure okay so the whitecaps want to acquire julian gressel from dc united they talk to dc united they say we'd like to acquire him they're like they would make a financial deal with dc united but the whitecaps are like hey we'd love to talk to the player about it dc united is like hey it's within our rights to not allow you to do that we're not going to allow you to do that julian gressel comes to vancouver Oh, sir, Julian Gressel gets told like, you know, an hour or whatever before the trade goes public or right around when it goes public that this is happening. He has no say. He's got to move his, you know, his family, his dog, whatever, uh, from one end of the continent to the other. Uh, he comes here. He has one and a half years left on his contract, performs well in his first half season, uh, helps uh, you know, the Whitecaps claim their second ever Voyager's Cup. Uh, and be, and you know has a good beginning to the, the the next season helps the Whitecaps win their, their third Voyagers Cup, um, and in that time the Whitecaps are trying to extend his deal like they have with players like Kubas, um, and in those discussions Julian's like yeah there's no way I'm extending here, so then the Whitecaps say okay we don't want to lose him at the end of the year for nothing we invested nine hundred nine hundred fifty yeah nine nine hundred thousand nine hundred thousand gam. We invested that. We don't want to lose out on that. Therefore, he's told us in good faith that he doesn't plan to extend here. He's not going to sign a new deal or or even sign a free agency deal or whatever. He's not gonna he does not want to be here. Therefore, we need to do what's in the best interest of the club, which is to get something back for him. They be they talk to him about where he might be open to ideally like to go. He said somewhere closer to the east coast for my wife's family. Yes. And they worked out a deal with Columbus that'll see them get uh, up to 850,000 gam. Mm-hmm. Is that is that essentially the... That is basically spot on. Oh, yeah. 
only thing I would emphasise as well is that the reason he doesn't want to stay here, it's not the city. It's not the fan base, which for some reason yeah. started to leak out on, on Thursday night that it, it was because he thought it wasn't a good atmosphere and stuff here. It's not the club. It's not the the way that they're playing on the pitch. And and he's contributed three goals and five assists th- this season. So, I mean, he's been a big factor on, on them doing well. It's all for family reasons. And I know a lot of folk have poo-pooed it because of the whole Max Cripo thing. But we'll hear from Axel shortly. And I said, these are two very different situations. Yeah. Without elaborating, but I think a lot of folk can maybe read between lines in that. But you've summed that up perfectly. And I think this is a good bit of business by the Whitecaps because they would have lost them for nothing at the end of the year. And you can look at it one of two ways. You could have kept him to the end of the year and got the contributions out of him who knows, maybe his contributions would have been enough to get us an MLS Cup. You don't know how the year's going to play out. Yeah, yeah. Him leaving leaves the team with a big hole. Yeah. We'll come to a bit of, it's maybe not well, as big as some folk are thinking and how Axel plans to to kind of re- replace him, but not as in a like-for-like basis. But, I mean, all round, I think this this is a good deal. And I think the, the fact that the Whitecaps and Axel involved the player for for me is a wonderful thing that the club did it's what i want more clubs to do here i know they don't have to which yeah. in itself is absolute shit because you're you're treating people as commodities and not as an actual person and you're not taking into fact anything else so axel and I, i'm preempting a little bit of what we're going to hear but axel said spoke to julian said to julian what clubs would you be open to going to? Started negotiations to see what clubs would be interested. Columbus, the only club that would be willing to pay around about what the Whitecaps wanted. They came in with a lower offer. The Whitecaps said, no, we need this. And Columbus raised their offer to be pretty close to what the Whitecaps wanted. It's great all round. And but we'll just explain what Whitecaps are getting back, actually. In return... The Everyone caps. tickle your, tickle your pen, pen, pens and pens yes. and paper. The, the Whitecaps get Gam, only Gam. I thought they might have got a player. I, I genuinely thought they might have thrown in Mo Farsi as a Canadian, as a fullback. The entire deal could be worth 850000 in Gam. The Whitecaps will receive 275000 this year, 275000 next year. So that's five hundred and fifty guaranteed no matter what. And there's an additional 300,000 in conditional GAM for 2024 to 2026. They haven't said what the conditions are. You would have to feel that's going to be that he signs a new contract and stays in Columbus. But from what I've heard from a couple of people, that in itself is not guaranteed. This could just be a stopgap. Whilst he then explores what is open at the end of the year to him. I think ideally he'd be wanting to go further east than Columbus. Did but he, for did now, he meet this his wife is in Atlanta? Is his wife from the yes. Atlanta area? Yeah. And his family, I, th- I believe, might be all around... I'm saying Connecticut, but I might be wrong there. But mm. it's it's a lot easier to fly from Columbus to wherever they are in yeah, the yeah. east than than that. I, I got two two questions. One is the, the question that I think a lot of people have asked on social media, and one's the question I 
kind of asked you about this week are the and you're sort of beginning to partly answer this but are they really not going to bring you like use that game now in this window to add to the squad not necessarily to like you said to fully replace him but to add to the squad no, they, they they will be they will be okay they will be using the game for that but not with uh to like for like to, yeah or julian for julian as axel described it right okay. i mean you, you could say that this was the quickest german withdrawal that we've seen since berlin 1945 but it's a good deal one of the downsides for me i don't like it being split over so many years but we saw that with the max Cropo deal that that suited the white caps because they're rolling around scrooge mcduck style in gam uh, at the moment it was maybe putting words in axel's mouth from when max left but i mean it is getting split there's been lots of murmurs that gam may disappear and the whole cap might be getting changed yeah now, this might surprise people, but one of the clubs pushing for changes in the salary cap are into miami <laughs> I, 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 That caught me by surprise. I mean, they've always been so good at sticking to the roster <laughs> to the rules. <laughs> for like, when we see that Messi's probably on 100,000 when the salaries come out, I mean, that, I, yeah, it's nice of him to come and do that. But I, I do think it's a good bit of business. So, and you've got to get something for him. Better than nothing. Yeah. So my other question, which I, I posed to you on, on our message, is this is the second time Julian Gressel is the second player that the Vancouver Whitecaps have acquired from DC United, mm-hmm. where DC United would not allow them to talk to the player before the deal was done. I, I, I would love for you to ask Axel if anyone in the organization who might have, I don't know, been around at that time threw up their hand or asked the question or raised it, hey, we've been this through this before with this club, and it went horribly wrong. Now, obviously, this has played out better than that. but Yeah, it's, much, it's, much better. It's a bit of a – like, I wonder if anyone actually brought that up and said, hey, just so you know, Axel, we had this player, Espindola, we brought him in, and then he wouldn't play here, and we had to transfer him to Mexico or wherever it was. I can't remember where he went. Um, I, I, you know, I, I genuinely don't know that that would have been brought up because it was a while ago and it was a different circumstance. And on the whole, players d- do agree to go to the move and go and play for the team. I mean, that was just such a bizarre situation. Well, that's the thing, though, Michael. They don't have to agree. They don't have to agree to anything. It's MLS. Well, the yeah. Contract. The league tells you where you're going. There's no agreeing. Yeah. And that is where I do want to give Axel some props because, uh, and maybe he's not the right person, but. My guess is it's him because... Oh, he's been very hands-on in this deal. Well, because, yeah, he comes from a culture where you ask the players. You talk to... Well, he comes from... You ask the players. He comes from a culture where the deal doesn't happen unless the player agree terms personally. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, I told... I, I think I told you... I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show, but a couple of weeks ago, I was hanging out with a former White Cap family who left in the midst of horrific family situation... Uh, and things could have been so much better for not just the player, but for the Whitecaps themselves, had they simply talked to the player. And that is, of course, Alain Rocha. I was going to say, you've narrowed it down, but maybe <laughs> you haven't. <laughs> no, seriously, right? No, they, yeah. they didn't talk to him. They sent him, ironically, to DC United, right? Yeah, they, there's a, maybe, maybe this was their payback. I don't yeah, know. yeah. They got to, well, Fabi Spindola was the payback. Yeah. <laughs> 
Except for no, it worked. That worked out for DC United because uh, when they talked to Alain, Alain said, "No, I need to. I don't. This is not the situation for my family. I I want to go back to Switzerland." And they sold him for, uh, I forget the number because I've I have known the number, but it was between five. I think between five hundred and a million, like thousand or whatever. So DC United made it like bandits. The white guys got like mm. nothing out of the, out of that, from what I remember. Or oh no, it was a draft pick that either didn't use or they drafted and then released the player. I think they might have got a percentage of the sell-on fee. I don't think they did in that one. Mm. I'd have to no, double check that. I don't think that was the one. Anyways. I mean, I mean, this is all very different to that. So this is, this is uh, all that to say, a great improvement by, by someone like Axel, who is yeah, using a different country's culture and philosophy to hopefully improve the Whitecaps organization and how they deal with their players. Yeah. I think Axel has been fantastic in this. He's handled the whole situation well. The Whitecaps as a club have as well. Julian's parting message was nice. And like I said at the start of this, I have no ill feelings towards Julian at all. He's been fantastic here. He was my player of the season up to this point. And it's like, even above Ryan Gold, I, I had him. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, to put a German ahead of a Scottish person, I mean, that is <laughs> very, very unusual. But he was having that kind of year. He became an American international whilst he was a white cat. Yeah. And he he gave everything on the pitch. I, I wish him all the very best there in Columbus. One of the Nancy boys now out there. And he's got a good coach that should bring the best out of him. And yeah, we'll see what he does on the pitch there. Now, Axel had a chance to speak to some media before the Leon game on Friday just to, to chat about this trade how it might be replaced how it went down a lot of things like that so go stick the kettle on because just as I can't have short shows Axel doesn't give short answers but this is very interesting stuff so yeah go grab a biscuit and a cup of tea and listen to Axel Schuster Axel S <laughs> Well, the window is open for uh, another little bit here until the second. Will there be any more moves to perhaps fill a Julian Gressel-sized hole? Look, if, 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 we can, if we can get everything done that we, that we are preparing right now, we will not do only one move. It would be more than one move. Um, we have decided not to replace Julian with Julian, so I don't think that that would make sense. So we want to take the opportunity of, of the amount of uh, allocation money and also freed up cap um, to, to ideally at least bring in two players that we would see as potential starters what I think would help us to 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 grow again and to do the next step with this team um, but um, as always I, I it's not all in my hands I think we have also lined up a few other things in case the the two major deals that we are preparing or the two made the, the two first prospects major deal sounds big but the two f top prospects that we have approached uh, will not work out we have also some other options prepared um, and uh, uh, we are not here to we, we will not pay every price we don't we continue to not feel uh, under pressure um, I think I said it before and Please give me the chance to say to start, not to start with that, but to say it here, like w with what I wanted to start. 
I also want to look at the positive things uh, with Julian. Uh, Julian have, has helped us a lot over the last year. I think if you look at the club and the team and our performance at the time before Julian arrived, and if we look at where we are today, uh, Julian had a really big positive impact. And it wasn't only his, him as a player, it was also him as a character and, 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 and a leader in the locker room and on the pitch. And I think, and I cannot thank Julian enough for how he has accepted the challenge after a difficult move for him because we were not allowed to speak with him. I cannot thank him enough because I think uh, other players that are playing in the central midfields today wouldn't be there if Julian would not have been next to him. And I think here, especially about Ali Ahmed and Pedro Vite, who both have grown a lot over the last months. And for that reason, we still feel comfortable with the group that we have. Um, we think we can easily put a starting 11 onto the pitch um, that still can compete uh, for a good spot into the playoffs. Um, we all have seen also in the last weeks, unfortunately because of the Gold Cup, that we can perform without Julian. Um, if you have a midfield with, with Kubas, Pedro and Schöpfi and, uh, and uh, Ali, uh, I think that's, that's still a lot of good options for central midfield. Um, but... As I said, um, we would like to use the, the, the possibility that was given to us, also in cooperation with Julian, and also thank you for that, because um, um, I will come back to that in a second, but I we want also to take this possibility now to grow from here and, and to use the amount of, of allocation that we have put into one player because we felt the need one year ago, now to put in, in two players. And, and one more sentence, um, when Julian came to us and said that he cannot extend his contract right now because he wants to keep the door open and because uh, his family and friends are at the East Coast, his family is growing and, and he wants at least to keep the door open to, to see what would happen in a free agency. Uh, and he has never said there's no chance ever that I will stay in Vancouver. I, I said to him, look, Julian, what is if the right option is there now? And it could be a deal, it could be a solution, it could be a moment that helps all three. It gives us something back, with that we can work. It gives you already the move now that you're looking for. And there's a club that is looking for you and pays the amount of money. And it's obviously a desperate club. So, and he said, look, I, I, I appreciate that you speak openly with me. With me. I, would, I would really appreciate if I can be part of the discussions. And he has been part of the discussions and we have kept this this way openly and, and at the end we have found the solution. So also here, he could have said, no, I, uh, I, am, I don't want to do that. And uh, we, we, we do things in, in our way um, and we always involve players in moves. We, we, are, we, we let players speak with, with clubs and we are let clubs speak with our players. And for the reason that was, I think, a win-win now for everyone. And now we have to finalize our work and, and to make it to a win in mid and long term for the club. With, with your job, you've, um, like you said, you included Julian in, in, in this process. Um, you also had uh, Max Kripo ask, ask out for personal reasons, the second player to ask out for personal reasons. On one hand, it looks great because you're willing to work with these players and find solutions for them. On the other hand, there's two high-profile players, high players that didn't want to stay in Vancouver for different reasons. But when it comes to attracting new players, how do you, as a, the sporting director and president, sort of battle that, those optics? 
I wouldn't compare the two cases. I, I think when we signed Julian, we have been aware of the risk that that can happen. We, we knew that Julian only has one and a half years left on his contract. We knew that we couldn't speak with him before. We knew that that comes with risk. We knew that that will come with a shock for him. And I think I have seen a statement and he has, has asked us that he, if he can put out his own statement and not with us work on a quote that we put into our statement. I have seen the statement two minutes before he has put it out. I think two minutes before you send it to me. I haven't seen it before. I have not spoken with him before. And I think the statement says a lot. The situation is different. We knew that it was a move like that. And I think um, we also have to say that we knew about this risk. We knew that the whole that, that his whole life has been at the East Coast. Um, and that he wants to keep the door open to keep all options open is, is one thing. I think I want to thank him also that he was so honest to tell us that because he could have continued to negotiate with us until the end of this window and then told us. But he, he, that shows also what kind of character he is that he tells us ahead of time and says, look, guys, I want to let you know now. Um, it would have only have been two weeks more to do a little back and forth in the negotiations and there would have been no move and we maybe would have lost all capital. So said so that, I, I don't want to compare it. I think Julian has said enough about how good he was treated here, how good the club has, has done for him, how good he felt here and his family felt here. And um, this has nothing to do with how good it is here. It has just to do that his life situation was already a different one before. And then we have been aware of that and that he has said that he wants to keep the door open to see if there is something coming that fits better to his life situation. And I can only thank you again that, that he has done that openly with us and then we have worked on the solution. The return that you're getting, the allocation money, if it all comes through, it's a, it's a lot of money. Much like the Max deal though, it's staggered over a, a couple of years. Was that your choice to do it that way? I know when Max left, you mentioned you've got a lot of GAM in the bank. Did you want to do it that way? And there has obviously been lots of murmurs recently that allocation money may be something that's tweaked or disappeared in years to come. W will it prove worthless in that case? No. Um, actually, I have to say we, we, um, we had three clubs interested from the East. Um, and um, uh, I had final discussions with uh, Tim Bejavenko in uh, Washington and they just have made this as their best offer. And um, we, we have we had a, a short back and forth. We have asked for a little bit more uh, than their first offer. And then they have really come very close to our second ask. And uh, so that's what it is. It gives us the maximum flexibility um, for what we want to do within the next let's say at least uh, ma maximum six months, not the least, maximum uh, maximum next six months we want to do. And the allocation money will not disappear until that point. And even if, I don't think that it will just disappear. I think uh, there, will, there will be some respect to what the clubs have on, on their accounts right, at yeah. that point. You mentioned that there's two top targets for you. Can you say are they within the league or are you looking outside of MLS? No, no of the two top targets are already within the league right now. No, right now, they are not in the league, yes. Okay. You had mentioned you don't want to replace Julian with Julian. Are you looking at other areas of the pitch to kind of uh, bolster kind of your ranks? Yeah, it's part of, of what we have discussed. Um, I think um, 
One thing why we don't want to replace Julian with Julian is that uh, two things happened in the season. Pedro Vita has shown that he is a very good number eight. And then Ali Ahmed has shown that he can play very good as number eight. So I don't think it makes sense to bring in another player on this position, as we have already won too much if, he, if everyone's healthy. So said that, you always in, the, in MLS, you always find, try to find a way how you can best get your best players onto the pitch. And if you consider Ali, Pedro, Schöpfi and, and Kubas as our best players, we have to play in a different system. So what we try now to, to what we try to do now is also to give us and Venny more flexibility with the system, to get all those players on the pitch. And you have seen how we have played in the last weeks with the back three and wing backs, and uh, that's actually what we are working on to give us um, more options and and more possibilities to play in different systems, to always have our best players on the pitch. Is old as new again, I guess. <laughs> uh, you mentioned this this wasn't a, uh, a money decision for, for Julian, but you guys gave him a very good offer. What was that offer and what was the, the ceiling that you guys could potentially offer him? You know about the mechanisms in this league. So um, if he goes into free agency, there are clear rules about what he can earn. And, and we, have, we have really made him a very, very good offer, far above what he will be able to make in free agency. And um, and um, when he told me, and when he, he actually asked for a call with Venny and me, and that also shows he has not hide behind his agent. It wasn't his agent delivering the message. It was Julian asking for a call with Venny and me. And he told me, he said, look, this is a decision not about money. I have here to make a family decision. And... Uh, uh, it is not about your offer. If it would be that, I have to take your offer because um, um, he says I he he doesn't uh, he doesn't see or there is n no way that he gets a better offer than what he has got, uh, got from us. So um, I I um, say we have made him an offer that respected his position in the team and and the role he he has taken over in this team, and he has he has appreciated that and said that. But then he has said that is not about money at this point. Was that like a max tan offer or was it below that? He would have been in the best three paid players in this team. How do you sell this move to fans? I know you just spoke now about this provides more tactical flexibility, it changed the approach of how you play, but looking at Julian's numbers, just how do you sell this move to fans? To, to trust us that we will we continue to, to develop this team and to grow um, as we have done in, in over the last years. And uh, I would say the, the one way I want to sell that, not sell, I don't I need to sell it, is the, the one thing I have to explain to fans that we have run out of options. So the one other option would have been we, we don't do anything now, we lose oil capital at the end, and then we have also to refill this spot without any, any, any allocation money. The one thing I want to tell fans to, to, feel, to feel still good about the remaining season is um, that, we have, uh, that we have won in LAFC and we have also won against a top five team in this league in, against Austin without Julian and with the remaining players. And that at the time where we had not even had all our players back, Ali wasn't there and, and Jermaine Brown wasn't there. So other good options that we have. So um, this group is, 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 is a very, very good group and one single player um, um, is is uh, we can we can replace one single player we have shown that um, if we can do good moves and 
get two very good players instead of one. That gives us more flexibility and depth. And I also want to remind all fans that we have a very difficult schedule with seven games on the road. We have to go to, we have to go to Toronto, Houston, and Salt Lake within one week. And it, is good, it, it can only be good for us if we have more depth option, options and options uh, to, to rotate a little bit because we need to make points on the road. In terms of depth then, you, you talked about the midfielders that stepped up. Where do you see the areas of the, the pitch then that might need strengthened for the playoff push? I would say uh, if, we, if we want to, to play also in a, in a different way, obviously on the wings. Um, um, and we speak about uh, fullback options and, and wingback options. I think uh, what we have learned over the last weeks is um, that... Uh, Lewis also plays a very, very good role as a left-sided centre-back. Um, but then we run very, very quickly out of options uh, with left-footed players that can play right. Um, but also um, uh, neither uh, Laborda nor um, um, Javain are real right wing-back options. So, so that that's obviously an area that, uh, that we are looking at. And... Um, um, that's that's the first focus, um, and then other than that, we will see what what remains in our wallet and and what other options are, are opening up. Do you see that you would need to move any players out to make the the cap work? No, not for what we not for these two targets that we have right now. But um, Julian is now his own story. There have been some players that. Um, agents have approached me and said, look, they are not getting the play time, playing time. Um, I have to say credit to our group. I have said the group before the season that we have a very special group and we can do something special here for this club. And everyone is respecting the group. No one has misbehaved. No one has complained. No one has let him go in training. But agents have reached out and have said if you would entertain loan or, or mo uh, moves for players that are not getting the minutes they were hoping for. And they say the players respect that in their positions players play very well. And luckily, every of those agents has said it's not a disaster if they have to stay. But look, if there is the right option, they maybe want to move. If that happens, we do maybe more than, than what we consider now than because we maybe then backfill. But that would mean we backfill with depth options. It's not starters, obviously. It's players that are not playing that much. And then we would have to think, uh, do we add another young prospect uh, that can grow in our club? And also still, we have players, uh, although the results haven't gone our way last, uh, lately, but we still have some interesting prospects in our MS Next Pro team. And uh, um, we will see today GC starting. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to see him. I see that has done outstanding in MLS Next Pro. And I thought last time when he came on against Austin, I think. Austin Seattle. So I thought he, 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 looked, he looked good. He had, he had some very good moments in the games. So let's see how he does. Um, and maybe then we're looking for players uh, for MLS Next Pro instead of uh, players uh, in our first year. Axel Schuster there, just chatting about what went down with the Gressel trade and what might come out of the the Gressel trade. I've, I've got to say, Zach, I have been giddy with excitement at my perfect song choice to bookend the audio for that Axel soundbite from the press conference. 
It's the theme song to the classic 1980s UK TV show, Alvida Zane Pet, which is one of my all-time favourite TV shows. That is one of those shows that I can sit down and just watch over and over and over and then start it again and go over and go through all the, the four or five series of it. But I just thought the the lyrics to, to the song are just absolute perfection. Used all my options, paid all my dues, and then just Alfida Zane, pet, he's moved on. And that's basically the Julian Gressel story. Axel said there that the Whitecaps offered him a great deal. They offered him more money than he will get in free agency. It would have yeah. made him the third highest player on the Whitecaps. Yeah, but to be fair, those two things are not really that, that huge because free agency is... There's I, a limit as to what they can be yeah, paid. Yeah, there's a limit where you can get. And then the Whitecaps, whose gold is number one, is Kuba's number two? Yes. Yeah, so I know what gold's making. I don't know Kuba's new deal, so... And I don't know who... In I don't my know head of 1.4, but yeah. Right, so, okay. But yeah, so, so he'd, he'd, he'd be the third... So whether that would have made him a DP or he would have been probably bought down with Tam, so he'd be a very high-end Tam player, uh, I think. So I think Axel wanted to stress that, though, just for the folk that were going to say, oh, they didn't offer him enough. He wanted to point out, rightly to do so, he would have been the third best player. So if you've made that offer and he's still turning you down, you, you can't. You can't do more than that. Well, well, and like you said, there's a chance that he's going for an even bigger opportunity at the end of his contract somewhere else. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that as well. I mean, the key now, though, is to replace him, but not necessarily like for like. And we've mentioned this now a, a couple of times. So, going into chatting with Axel, I, I was wondering, do you spend money on a replacement, a direct replacement for him, or do you strengthen elsewhere? So Axel has said no, it won't be like for like. He feels a player like Ali Ahmed can step into that role. Mm. Who played great for Canada. Yes, and he feels he's coming onto his game at the right time, so it's almost perfect that this moves on. It also gives the Whitecaps, it's good timing because you're in the League's Cup break. So you Mm. have got this time now before the window shuts to bring two additions in. The Whitecaps are targeting two players... Neither of them are currently in Major League Soccer. I thought I'd throw in a little question there to see if he would reveal what the positions were without revealing who the, what the players or positions were, but just by saying, well, you've said the midfield is strong. What are the, what are the other positions that you feel need strengthened? And he just came out and said, wing-back stroke full-back. Mm. Now, that ties in with a lot of rumours that will not go away that the club have been negotiating with Sam Adekugbe. Yeah, to bring him back here. That one, that feels a bit weird. I I don't know from John Herdman's point of view. Yeah, that if he sees that as the best move for Sam. Yeah, but I mean Sam has he's had his European time. If he feels he wants to come home and play in a team that suits him, I'm all for it. I'd love to have Sam back here. Oh, who wouldn't want Sam had a career at the Whitecaps? I mean, for for Sam's perspective though, it doesn't feel like. This is the the, the 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 best move that you could possibly make. I wonder how much the tragedy of last year plays into him wanting to be yes. in someone safe like that. That's, that's, that's a good that's point, a, actually. That's a legitimate thing that I could see. Like, oh yeah, he wants to be in a place he feels safe. 
obviously his club was you know uh, demolished sorry demolished his club was devastated by the earthquake and, the, and then on the on the other end of the emotional spectrum he was on loan at Galatasaray and won the league right mm. if, I'm not crazy right it was the league he mm -hmm. won right yeah so um now obviously I don't think he's with Galatasaray anymore right no because is he yeah because I saw him post about his old club and then Galatasaray brought in Angelino who was on loan for Man City to Dead Bull back in the day, uh, Dead Bull, New York. And then I think, I don't know if they sold him there, but anyways, Angelino is part of Dead Bull Leipzig and they've just sent him on loan to Galatasaray. And so... Well, I mean, the thing is, we don't know what offers Sam's had on the table and what his agents had. And this Whitecaps yeah. deal could be a, a very good one for him. It was interesting as well, though, that Axel then went on to say, and this goes into what you asked in the first part. Right, right, right. So he said, our two targets, if we bring them in, we'll be making sure that the team play accordingly to their strengths, and that will be three at the back. Mm. So that makes like you him think... And Vanny are, him and Vanny are more on the same page than yeah. me in the past makes you think then Sam is the ideal candidate there for being in that wing back role and if they want to switch to a back four as well for some of the games you've got that yeah so I, I like the sound of that wasn't drawn up what the second target would be I still wanted to maybe be a, an experienced centre back I, I still feel we need that but I do also feel as happy as he is with the midfield I'm not sure that the depth is there but he also said the two players that's coming in, he's looking at them not as depth players, but as starters. starters. I, I should know this. Is this Scott Kennedy end up going somewhere? Yeah. Didn't he go to Austria, the Bundesliga in Austria? Yes. I think that's what you, you yeah. told me. I, I'm wondering, I, I, this might just be my flight of fancy as well, David Witherspoon hasn't signed for anyone yet. Is he a good centre-back now? Good center no, back. but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm I, was, I was more thinking like for a, a nice midfield role, but... I don't know that he would be coming in as a starter to the team with who else we have, like Golden Vite, the form that Vite's been in. Shop, I'm fine if Shop drops out as a starter or even moves on at the end of the year. He's got quality. I've liked flashes off him. I just don't know that we see it enough. So if things are going to happen, they're going to happen soon. And. As Axel mentioned there, one of the players that he feels can step up and take over from Julian is Ali Ahmed. And we know what a great start to the year Ali has had for the club. His first MLS deal, pro deal with the first team, was signed this season after getting a call-up last year. And what a debut it was against Montreal, scoring assists that was just on fire. He's gone on now to make it to the Canadian national team. Had a great summer with Canada as well. as one of the standout players. So got a chance to to sit down with Ali just to to chat about this whirlwind of a last year. The highs, the lows, the scary moments over in Pacific. And go stick the kettle on, grab another biscuit, because this is our feature interview for this episode of the show. Here's Ali Ahmed. I mean, obviously, Ali, the last year's been absolutely incredible for you. Yeah. We spoke a bit when you were at WFC2 and then you had that injury. 
when you you look at where you were a year ago and coming back into that team to getting the deal to playing fantastically to getting your first call up to Canada do you kind of have to pinch yourself a little bit as to what this last year has been because it all seems to ha- have happened so fast for you yeah no for sure it definitely you definitely pinch yourself when you when I look at all the milestones I've hit over the past year it puts a smile on my face for sure and it's all part of the process you know step by step I'm enjoying each step I think and I think each step has prepared me for the next step, you know. So like last year, starting with the second team and playing uh, week by week, something I never had in a long time. So that was a step that I needed in order to get to the step, the the, the next step, which was, you know, a call up to the first team, one one game with the first team, and then you know, I'm enjoying the journey. I'm really enjoying the journey, and definitely pinch yourself when you look at each step, and you know, this is something uh, you kind of manifest and you kind of you know you kind of think about years ago yeah Yeah, it's like it's something that when you dream and then your dream comes true and it's like it's an amazing scenario if if we look at your your first appearance in the the first team this season so it was your first one with the MLS deal and you obviously had played in MLS last year when you got the call up but when you look at that game against Montreal what's your memories of that now coming on having such a fantastic game just you and Simon were, were just on fire that day uh, you know leading up to the game uh, Vanny you know he gave me a heads up uh, in, that I was going to be playing I was going to be starting that game uh, you know so you kind of have a couple of days to prepare mentally and everything you know which you know obviously shout out to Vanny for, for doing that and uh you know, um, I can't lie, I didn't know how well it was going to go. You know, of course, you're really nervous, your first MLS start. Uh, you know, but I said, I, I said having Simon, you know, made, made it easy for me because it's a guy who knows my tendencies and, and someone that, you know, we have chemistry a bit from last year. Uh, so having someone like that, you know, someone, in, someone like me uh, in the starting lineup as well helped me, you know, kind of ease the nerves and just and just play so you know we get out there and uh just just have fun you know everything went the way everything went the way you you dream of you know i scored up my first goal uh, assist and uh it was beautiful so when you you look back at the the transition now from playing with the twos to the first team Obviously, it's a big step up in quality and that you're playing against some amazing players that are a lot stronger, a lot faster, a lot older than what you were used to. How have you found the jump? Was it quite a steep learning curve? or I don't want to say you found it easy, but did you find it quite a, a, a quick transition? Uh, I would say, like I said earlier, I, the, the, each step kind of helped me prepare for the next yeah. step, which I think the step from last year is all the steps I've taken from last year kind of made the transition a bit smoother and easier I'm not going to say it was easier for sure yeah. it, you know it's a high demand it's a different level it's um, but uh, you know there was some struggles of course there's going to be some lows you know and it's not always high so you know there was some there was a lot of learning moments uh, you know but definitely keep growing I think even now there's I'm still still growing and still learning the ways you know it's my first year and everything so just learning how to be a pro and, and, and everything and, uh, you know, just be a good teammate and, uh, and how to, you know, bring that level every day. If we're talking about a low point, and it's the only low point I want to talk to you about during this, I was over in Victoria for that Canadian Championship game. You had me worried 
oh man, it's like as soon as they put the thing up around you, you feared the worst. And as we're watching the replays, like in the press box, we thought you'd broken your neck. When you look back at that now, do you have any memories of it apart from what you've? I mean, have you watched it back, or do you just want to push that far away? Nah, yeah, I can't lie. I watched it back for sure, definitely. You know, I actually watched it back uh, with my fat, my my aunt and my cousin wow. when they picked me up uh, after arriving back in Vancouver. You know, we watched it together because they, they didn't see what happened. So that's we, probably good. Yeah. <laughs> so so we were, we watched it back together, and uh, very scary. You know, of course, some moments that I remember uh, just being in that ambulance so tight in that bed and, and the way everything went you know I, I can't lie when I was in that ambulance I was I was thinking I was thinking the, it was going to be pretty bad and you know you forget soccer for a bit you just think you think for your own health so I was just praying that you know forget soccer hopefully nothing life life damaging or anything like that or anything like that happened um, I mean at the moment I didn't remember it right away exactly but uh, throughout, you know, the, the the night, things started to come back to me slowly and slowly. And um, very fortunate, very very fortunate and thankful to come out with, uh, you know, with just a concussion and uh, and able to be back on the field within two to three weeks. Yeah, and you seem up to f- fully to speed away with Canada as well. So you're not having any sort of lasting effects from it. Everything's all good for you. Yeah, everything was all good. Everything. It was all good. No, no, no side effects. Nothing. No, nothing. I was, I was a hundred percent ready to go. Moving on to Canada, then it's, I guess, for many players, it's their dream to pull on their their country's jersey. How long was that in the pipeline? When did you hear that you might be involved? Obviously, you were named to the preliminary squad, but when did you find out you were actually going to be on the the final roster? Um. I found out. I think, I think, I think it was. So we had a game went on Wednesday against Colorado, and I think I, I think I found out it was. I was going the week that like Saturday. I think Saturday right. or Sunday, Saturday or Sunday before Wednesday, and uh, it was special to hear that. It was crazy to hear that. <laughs> I was definitely a very happy man that day, uh, you know. It was, it's crazy, yeah, it's crazy to, to hear you've been called to the Canada men's national team for me the first time, you know, it, like you said, everything happened so fast, so I'm just grateful. Yeah, I guess not having too long to think about it really helped, but I mean, it, it was great performances, you're like one of the standout players, getting starts as well, not just coming off, off the bench, and a lot of folk saying how well that you played. How did you find that, that whole experience? I guess partly surreal because you're playing a big tournament and like the Gold Cups, the the pinnacle of the the tournaments over on this continent. And you probably watched games when you were younger coming through. How did you find that being on the pitch again? Another step up in level. Uh, like you said, it's a different another step. I think I think it was it was my it was the greatest experience I've experienced in my soccer career so far. You know, it was it was a, a lovely time for me. You know, I think the the guys and and, and the coach John, uh, they made it easy. Uh, the the culture there is it's it's you re- like like we preach a brotherhood. You know, you, yeah. you really feel the brotherhood uh, as soon as you get there. 
And I think that goes a long way for, for players, especially new players, you know. So coming into a new environment, you know, you're trying to fit in with the new guys off the pitch, on the pitch. And um, the staff were amazing. John, Eric, Phil, Richard, uh, everybody, I can name all the whole staff. And they were amazing, you know, they, they made it. You know, there were, there were a lot of teaching moments for me, and you know, they gave me an opportunity to show myself. And uh, you know, same for the players; they were they were really good guys. They were really uh, amazing guys. So, you know, shout out to them for sure. When you look back then at that American game and the penalty shootout, I mean, it was hard enough watching it at home. What was it like on the pitch? Obviously, disappointing in the end, but I mean, what was what was the feeling like? What was going through your head at that Man, point? You're, you're you're anxious. Your your heart is is beating so fast. You know, uh, you, it's it's pretty scary because you don't want to lose that way. You know, that's a heartbreaking way to lose. So you know, you're watching and you're you're, you're shaking a bit because you know we're up two one. Knowing you're up two one with like ten minutes left, uh, you know you you kind of you kind of like hey, we're about to do this, and then five minutes later they hit you with a with a goal and it just brings you down and, and you're just you're just sitting tight you're just sitting tight and uh, when penalties popped up you're just praying you're praying for for good things but you know it was unfortunate very unfortunate man it was a heartbreaking way to lose for sure but you know I think it was a learning moment for a lot of us you know but you know we'll take that as a learning moment and move coming then back to the white caps was it easy I've spoken to players before that's come back from international duty and sometimes it takes them a little bit of time to get back used to the club thing did you just get fully back into the swing of it yeah I think uh, I think I did you know but I think uh, you know I came back with a little knock I think you guys seen uh, before I came off in the America game uh, I got a kick to my my foot it's still something that's bothering me now and uh, you know but I think I think when I came back, it was still, it was a, it was not a hard transition to come back and, and get with the guys. You know, again, like I said, it's also a good environment here. You know, so uh, it wasn't too hard, but uh, it's def it's a little different for sure. It's a little different, yeah. but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't hard though. Very last thing. So when you look at the player that you were a year ago yeah. to the player that you are now, what's different? How have you grown? What do you feel you still need to improve upon? Um, that's one thing I do. I, I look at too. You know, when I first came, with, when I first came with the Whitecaps, uh, I would say to now I'm, I'm probably a little, little different. You know, I'm, I'm getting a little bigger, maybe a little faster, a little quicker, maybe. You know, uh, I came, I came maybe two, three years ago uh, as a midfielder, and and yeah. and Dags and Vanny seen something and and put me out wide. Uh, shout out to them, both of them, and then uh, yeah, I'm a, I would say I'm definitely learning a lot. Just the experience is helping me a lot, you know, you know, uh, and of course I would say still, still, still ways to go, still ways to grow and and, and be better. You know, I think uh, I need I need to get a little more stronger, and then uh, I think I could work on a couple of things uh, on, on the attacking end, just being more clinical and. Uh, and yeah, and just continue to like, experience a lot of different moments and pretty much be ready for, to keep growing. Well, pleasure, Chanty, as always. Pleasure to see your growth as well and good luck for the rest of the year, man.
Great stuff, great chat there with Ali. Uh, spoken so many times on the show, Zach. I have so much time for Ali. He is just such a nice guy that you wish nothing but the very best for him. We, we had a little chat after we were recording as well, where, again, I mentioned it in the interview, but I said to him again, I was so concerned for him in that Pacific game. I genuinely thought he'd broken his neck, oh, yeah. or worse. And... I mean, hearing him chat there and the, just the raw uh, emotion, the, he he was worried in that ambulance because he was strapped in and couldn't move and couldn't mm-hmm. remember much. And you're a young guy. You, no matter how positive you are, your mind wanders off, how bad is this? Is that my career over? Is this going to be something that's going to affect me for the rest of my life? And I, I shared a little story with Ali afterwards. It's not exactly the same but I had one of those ambulance moments maybe about just coming up for 20 years ago now it was a work night out and we were in a restaurant but chatting away I was having steak and some steak stuck in my throat and I couldn't dislodge it and then they tried one of the waiters tried Heimlich maneuver and couldn't dislodge it and I was really I couldn't swallow and my breathing was quite bad so I got taken away in an ambulance and they had said, how do you feel? It's like, I'm really kind of struggling to breathe here. And then as soon as I said that, the sirens went on. So as soon as that happened, in my head okay. was, this is clearly bad. Yeah. Am I going to die? And the only thing I could think of was, oh, my God, what? how's Caitlin going to be when if she gets a phone call? Because I, I know what she's like. So that was all going through my head. So I could relate a little bit to what Ali must have been going through because he was thinking about his family mm-hmm. and how they would do. If were they watching it, did they see that? What are they thinking right now? Yeah. And it's just one of those moments. And we saw another incident at Pacific this weekend as well, where Daniels and mm-hmm. scary stuff. And having had a full update on him, he seems to be stable and comfortable, but. Twice at the same stadium, those fans have had to witness that this year, which it's traumatizing for them, especially if you're kids as well. Yeah. But I mean, that's the only negative side from Ali. All the positive side of stuff is he's come on leaps and bounds, and his ceiling is still to be reached. He's nowhere near the best player he can be, and he knows that. He knows he can still bring his game on, and possibly with Gressel going, this is going to help bring Ali to the other level because he kind of has to step up now. Yeah, he has to. There'll be opportunities. Uh, you know, the ideal mixture for 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 a player like him and the stage he's at and the the growth rate he's on. The the rest of the season will will show us, you know, how much he's able to to take the opportunity. Yeah. But it's I, exciting. I, yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole to say either that the White Caps playoff hopes this season rest on how this money is spent, who's brought in and how this window operates and whether they can have a replacement for Julian because you're taking a big part out of the team and it's a huge, huge hole in the team just now. But if Ali can move into that and they strengthen elsewhere, they're in a good position in league play, even with this horrendous away spell coming up. So we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. One of the other things about this is that uh, he's also, because of his performances with the national team, he's actually made other people from across the country want to watch him play for the Whitecaps and see how mm-hmm. 
we'll see how he's going to grow. So I, I think he'll he'll bring a little more attention, a little more care in the rest of the country. Not that that's you know the be all the end all or that necessarily even that important. But I have heard people from across the country say, "Oh, okay, I'm going to now I'm going to watch Vancouver games to watch him." Or to yeah. see how he grows, and you, you'll see that with the vo- with voyagers and yeah, Canadian fans uh, alike. I mean, you, you don't want to put too much pressure no, on, no. on his young shoulders, but he is the most exciting young talent to come through Canadian wise since Alfonso. And wait, did you say he's the next Alfonso? No, <laughs> I will not say that. He might be in terms of being sold to Europe, right? But yeah. I Wasn't mean, that pressure on Simon Col- Col- Colin? Simon Colin? Simon Colin did have a bit Colin, of that, Colin. yeah. Especially because it was the passing. Fonzie yeah. went off and Colin came on yeah, in that last game. And it was like, oh, it's the passing of the torch. And like Cam Habibullah's had it as well. And like Cam has had a really good season in MLS Next Pro. But he's he's not on the League's Cup roster. He's not had a, a call up yet so there's possibly aspects of his game that Vanny's seeing and he's like you still need to work on that because w- w- one thing I will say that Cam he's had a good season he scored some great goals he still sometimes feels that he's trying to maybe do a little bit too much himself and that might be something he needs to kind of just get out of his game a little bit because when you move up to the next level it's got to be more about the team but we'll, we'll see uh, Simon Colon he's still with the, the youth side at, at PSV uh, uh, yeah Eindhoven yeah. yeah, I think he's been playing for their second team though as well, or reserve team and some stuff. But but that is it for the Whitecaps chat. We're going to turn our attention to League One BC and the CPL in the next part. Some dramatic stuff, some interesting refereeing calls, and a lot <laughs> of talking points coming up. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And if you've been listening all month long, which our podcasts feel that you're listening to for a month sometimes, I know, as this is another long one, but as well as our Artist of the Month, it's kind of a double Artist of the Month because we're also celebrating 53rd and a third records. The record company from Edinburgh that was set up by one of the shop assistants 
and Stephen Pastel from the Pastels. So we've been playing a variety of songs that were released on that label in the late 80s. That's another one there, The Vaselines, Son of a Gun, released in 1987. Uh, It was the band's debut EP. You can also find it on the Way of the Vaselines compilation album that was released on Sub Pop Records, the iconic Seattle-based record label in 1992. The song was also famously covered by Nirvana for a Peel session, with Kurt Cobain being a massive fan of the band. Um, the band had actually split up but reformed so they could support Nirvana on UK dates back in 1990 and reformed again in the 2000s. And I got to see them here in Vancouver, so that was a, that was a nice show. But we're going to turn our attention to the domestic game still in Canada, League One BC, CPL in this part. We're going to start things with the most dramatic of the games this weekend in that regard. So we're starting in League One BC. I went over to Victoria on Saturday for the double header TSS Rovers Highlanders. The women needed a win to get into the playoffs. The men needed just a point to win the regular season crown and with it, a place again in the Canadian Championship. It it was an eventful weekend, Zach, both on and off the pitch. I, I want to tell you about my my journey over to the island. So I don't know if you heard that BC Ferries had to take one of their ships out for operations. Oh yeah, actually I did. Coastal celebration. So eight ferries a day, four each way were cancelled in the Tawasan Schwartz Bay route. That just means you got to share your ferry with more people, right? Yeah. None of the ferries that we were going over on were that one, so I didn't think it was going to impact us this much. So I'm driving to the ferry on Saturday morning. We're getting the 9 o'clock ferry. Had to be there by 8.15 to, for TSS to get all their tickets and, and hand it all out from the reservation that we had. So driving in, had the radio on. They gave the traffic update and it was the, the eye in the sky flying over the ferry terminal. And he was talking about the lineups of cars and I was like, ah, oh, fine, doesn't affect me. He went, oh, I'm just flying over the parking as well and it looks full, so I'm not sure that there's any parking available. And I was like, oh, that's not good then. <laughs> and I thought, oh, there's going to be some spots available. It's like eight in the morning. It's, there's gonna, got to be something, surely. So I'm getting into the causeway and then AFT and photographer extraordinaire, he's been so busy, Tom, gave me a call saying, yep, there's no parking. I've just parked illegally in the lot. It's not even a spot. I don't know if it's going to be there when I get back, but I've just dumped it. Wow. So I went into the lot and I thought, I might just do the same. But there wasn't even that option and there was no parking. So I'm driving back out, called Tom. I said, just leave it on the causeway. I I don't think I can do that. So in the end, someone pointed out that there's a a water park that's beside an RV resort and they do a parking ride. Yeah. Which is advertised at 20 bucks a day, but when we all came to pay, it was then 30. Conveniently, because there was no parking. Or they have put it up and just not changed the signs. This was like something from the 1950s. So I got there with some other people. Uh, Four TSS players were also there, some coaching staff, 
And we all had to fill out a bit of paper with our details to give to the one old guy behind the desk that had to then process it manually and then give us something to put in our car. This is like quarter past eight by this time. So he's doing all this. There's about 20 people. And then he says, oh, just so you know, none of you will be getting the nine o'clock ferry. Which the players obviously had to, to be able to get there for the game to do their pre-game warm-up. So Kevin, one of the coaching staff, said, look, I've got my pickup truck. Let's just, I'll, I'll just shuttle you guys to the ferry and I'll get the next one. So the players all jumped into his pickup truck, but there wasn't, there wasn't room for me because all the seats were full. So I rode from the parking ride in the back of his pickup truck, like the Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> holding on for grim death to the side of the pickup truck as Kevin managed to hit every single bump imaginable on the way to that ferry terminal and my hat nearly blew off many times. There, there, are, there are some uh, speed bumps there. Or not yeah. Speed, there, um, the, yeah, the speed bumps, but there are also some potholes on that road. If my yes, I think he hit every single one of them as well. And we got there and then head coach Chelsea Hannison's like, oh, you're just channeling your inner Abbotsford. So I felt part of your community, Zach, riding in the back of the pickup truck. It's funny, this weekend I was singing, you can't read and you can't write. Some old bird. So I, that was the eventful journey over. And I, I was hoping that was all the bad luck for the day. But then we got off the ferry and our bus was not there. Half an hour it took and net several phone calls to a company that was closed for the weekend before a bus, not from the company that we booked it with, turned up and got us. So I thought, right, nothing else can go wrong. And for the women, it didn't. Great game by the women. The winning goal that put them into the playoffs, coming in the 73rd minute from AFTN photographer Maddie Ma. She's been shooting oh, the Vancouver yeah. FC games. What a goal. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Great run by Nikki Virk. Sets up to Maddie at the edge of the box. She then dances her way past three defenders, slots at home, and TSS are in the playoffs in fourth. They'll be taking on Whitecaps Girls Elite next weekend, who are fresh off a 6-0 win, which is going to be a very tough game. But I got a chance to chat with Chelsea Hannison after the match. The video as well is up on our YouTube channel. Here's Chelsea's thoughts on clinching that playoff berth and the battle ahead with the Whitecaps. So Chelsea, a little bit nerve-wracking there. How were your nerves going into that last 20 minutes? Yeah, the last 20 minutes were definitely intense and um, it was one of those things where I was feeling really confident in the group the whole entire game and despite the intensity and, and obviously the back and forth that was happening, um, I was actually at some sort of a, a calm piece with it because we were playing very, very well and uh, they were doing all the right things and at the end of the day it's, uh, it was just getting the right balance against a good, uh, strong opponent and, and I'm happy with how the result turned out. Only the second clean sheet of the season and what a time to get it as well and let's talk a little bit about that winning goal that the play from Nicky Virk to set it up Maddie on the edge of the box to, to keep hold of the ball and then dancing through we've seen that from these players this year but I mean it was just a special goal to, to send you into the playoffs it really was a special goal for a lot of reasons I would say uh 
from the internal side of it, we're, we're a group that is fantastic in possession and on the ball. We do really, really great things. Um, but something that we've been really working on and, and trying to push and, and, and get out of our players is the bravery to take risks and uh, challenge themselves in the attacking third in the sense of, of they have so much potential to, to do those great things. And today was it was an awesome goal, yeah, because we got the goal and the result and it got us to playoffs. But uh, they're doing great things that we haven't seen before. So it was, it was excellent all around. But when you look at the squad, I mean, it's so heavily depleted. Some of your key performers for the, the season haven't been here. To go out and put in a display like that, a couple of grade 12 girls coming on and the tackle from one of them, Katie Chan at the end, which, what a mistime that and that's a penalty. I mean, that says a lot about this group. Giving them the freedom to, to be, be brave and trust themselves and go out there, that's step one. Uh, but honestly, you know, that's such a, a wonderful thing about this program is we are bringing young players in. And the fact that they feel empowered and confident going in, despite having players of pedigree surrounded by them, um, it just says a lot about not, not only what environment TSS has created, but the players, the Joannas, uh, we've got the Delanas, we've got even Nikki Burke, like the senior players in there that are just really picking these players up and, and guiding them through and it's it's showcasing really nicely. So into the playoffs now, you know it's the white caps you're facing there in some form at the moment, but you gave them a close game just a few weeks ago. What are you expecting from that next weekend? I'm expecting a really good show and, and anyone that's a football fan in Vancouver, I really hope that uh, we see a lot of people out there because you've got talented athletes on both ends. Uh, and both games have been really entertaining, so it's going to be exciting for, for the fans and everyone out there, but it's also going to be uh, exciting for, for this group who's definitely earned it. Well, congratulations, and we'll see you next weekend. Well done, Chelsea. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Chelsea Hannison there talking about the exciting League One BC match for the TSS Rovers into the playoffs. Have to give a big hat tip as well to Altitude FC who rounded off their season in Nanaimo on Sunday with a big 5-0 win over Harborside. Next weekend is the semi-finals and it is Whitecaps hosting TSS Rovers and Unity hosting not so much in uh, an exciting encounter there. And Whitecaps Girls Elite have already booked their berth into the second ever Women's Interprovincial Championship for the League One sides as the regular season winners. Whoever wins the, the playoffs or the runners-up, if it's the Whitecaps, will get the second BC berth in that. The finals announced this week that they're getting held at Langley at Vancouver FC Stadium from August 11th to 13th. The two semis will be on the Friday and the final and the third, fourth place game will take place on the Sunday. Should be a fantastic couple of days of action in that. Mm-hmm. Great place to have them. Yeah. Uh, League One Ontario champs haven't been crowned yet. Uh, Quebec have crowned theirs. PEF Soccer Quebec are the League One Quebec champions. They do it the proper way. No playoffs, just a regular season winner. So that wraps up League One BC women's. We're, we're good with League One BC. We should move on from... To, I to think nothing, else, nothing else to talk <laughs> about in League One BC, as far as I'm concerned. No other, no other traumatic experiences. No. I, I was over doing the commentary for the two games uh, with our good friend Rituro. It was fantastic being back uh, in the booth with him. 
four or five years since we called a game together and we just got back in at the swing of it. It was a lot of fun. Always got so much time for Arturo. He's just such a, a great guy and gives so much back to the community. Football well, manager as well is his big thing. Yeah, Arturo used to be on the pod with Mark and Jorge. Do you remember that? Their pod yes, in- I've forgiven him for oh. that though. Jorge was at uh, at the VFC game recently and came over and, and connected. It was good to see him because I haven't seen him in like... No, I haven't seen him for time. ages either. And Mark's doing well with his, his Scuderio yeah. Formula One podcast as yes. well. But yeah, Rituro, Highlanders fan, myself, TSS fan. We put our rivalries aside for the commentary. <laughs> we put our emotions aside for the commentary as well. After the men's game, though, and the mics were off... Two very different reactions as he was screaming, yes, yes, yes. And I was screaming F-bombs at the top of my voice because let's get in to the drama that was Highlanders, TSS on the men's side. TSS went into that one. A point would give them their regular season title, a place in the Canadian Championship. And going into stoppage time, it was all looking good, Zach. They led 2-1. Masoud Hababula with his golden boot leading eighth goal of the season and Ivan Mejia another fantastic finish from the Colombian taking his tally to six and seven assists on the season sign him up somebody but it was looking great bit of controversy refereeing wise it's not the only refereeing (laughs) controversy we'll maybe talk about in this part as Eric Edwardson scored a goal that was ruled offside and watching it back is a good yard on. But I think we could also maybe say the Highlanders had a goal that went over the line as well that was not given as Danilo Shmachenko cleared it off. It looked over to me. That one's not as clear cut, but I think they they were both goals, but that was a big one for TSS to get ruled out. But yeah, 2-1 going into stoppage time. That's it. Let's move on to the CPL. So, no, if you haven't watched the game, watch it back, because the drama in this, it's a very German-themed show, because it was the (laughs) German that scored the two goals for Highlanders. David Schaefer, his first two goals of the season, and what a time to get them, the 91st and the 93rd minute. Both from set pieces, a stunning free kick, right down the middle, and then, straight from the kick-off, it was like an onside kick in the NFL. TSS kicked off, played the ball back, and instead of just booting it up the pitch, four Highlanders players just went straight for the ball. TSS panicked, kept playing it back. It was played back to the keeper. Henman, Michael Henman, nipped in. He's brought down in the box. It's a penalty. Schaefer steps up and buries it. And from nowhere, Highlanders in, in the league. TSS threw everything at them for the last three minutes. Highlanders held on, and it's Victoria Highlanders that will be the BC representative in the Canadian Championship next season. And as much as this really hurts for for me as a TSS fan and owner and commentator and media officer, I've got to say the fighting spirit from the Highlanders is tremendous. To not give up, to get those two goals in stoppage time, and... If it wasn't TSS or Altitude, my two teams, there's no other team I would want representing BC than the Highlanders and no other coach than Steve Simonson. 
Highlander's been around since 2008. They've been the OGs. They've had these battles with TSS since 2017. And Steve Simonson has given so much to the game here as a player mm-hmm. and as a coach. UNBC Timberwolves head coach. And I'm absolutely delighted for Steve. Yeah, I feel, I feel for you in, in your loss. I know how painful it was for you and I know how excited you were to kind of follow up the amazing run in this year's Voyager's Cup with a, with another. Well, I mean, this has eclipsed that Voyager's Cup heartbreak and the the disaster with Kendall and Ousted. Oh, yeah. And he who will not be named. <laughs> scoring the winning goal. At least he got injured in the process. But no, th- th- that this these events have completely overtaken that now. It's my worst ever footballing experience. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> I know how bad it was for you. And I had to bloody commentate uh, on it. At least the yeah. other ones that I've had, I've just been watching from a fan or in the press box. Did you tell Arturo to tell his players to make sure to, I don't know, kick kick Josh Hurd outside the box? Well, I mean, they are licking their chops at the prospect of having Pacific FC yeah. or Victoria Derby. Victoria, or Vancouver Island Derby or Victoria Derby would be, would be pretty great. We'll see if we can uh, heat up or cool down the balls in the pots next year to make that mm. happen. But as I said, absolutely delighted for Steve Simonson. Spoke to him after the game. Cock a hoop, as you could imagine. So, Steve, absolutely fantastic game. What an advert! for football in the province for League One BC but what a performance from your side never gave up fought to the very very end you're in the Canadian Championship yeah I mean it was uh, credit to TSS for making it the game I thought it would be I knew it would be hard and our game plan was working I thought quite well and until they scored their second one I thought oh we might have done ourselves a bit because we needed two uh, but then the group that I put out to try and win the game did it anyway so I uh, didn't expect it in that fashion but we'll take it it's a good time after the, the equaliser, the four men pressing TSS, it's like they panicked, they didn't know what to do. Did you tell them to do that, or was that just the players of no, their No, I mean, I basically, the message all day was we have to be plus one at the end of the game. That's what we have to be. There's no there's no second choice, right? And, and I, you know, I said at halftime, I said we can focus on everything else that's going to distract us from that, or we can focus on what it takes. And when they scored, I just think that, that David scored, and I think that made them feel like go forward, and... It was funny, my assistant, when they kicked off and went backwards, our, my assistant went, oh good, they're going backwards. And I was like, thinking in my head, no big deal, and we just pounced on it. So, we'll take it. That's the most running Mike's done in defence. <laughs> the, the club in the Canadian Championship now, what, is, what does this mean to the club? You've been a part of this team for a long time. What does it mean to have this opportunity? A lot of headaches. Well, there's, yeah, there's two things. Number one is this club's, a lot of people don't know this, but the club's been around since 2008, the Highlanders. And it's taken many forms, many highs, many lows, right? And uh, um, with Pacific coming into town, they're the pro club. They get most of the publicity, which they should, fair enough. But there's still a level of football that I think needs to be supported. And when I see how this went and the people that are here and what it means to the people, I think it's a great advertisement, not just for our club, but for the league and for TSS and for the joy what it means to these players to win this league and I think that this is needed in our country so I'm really happy to be part of it today. 
And you as a coach, getting this opportunity, you're on the national stage now. I mean, you, you saw well the publicity he got and everything that's come from that. What does that mean to you? Or do you not care about stuff like that? Uh, I pre- publicly. Yeah, pu- I mean, I it's not my favourite thing to do. I like to sort of stay in the shadows as much as I can, to be honest with you. Yeah. But if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Um, you know, I'm not naive to know that there's levels in football and that uh, underdogs can win, so I get that. Um, but... You know, it's it's one game at a time, and it's an opportunity to showcase our club. And I listened to the, um, you know, the sort of publicity that TSS Rovers got. In uh, that's the most important thing. So it's not for me; it's for the club and for Victoria. Uh, I I'd be happy to have somebody else do the spokesperson stuff. <laughs> Very last thing, job's just halfway done. It's like there's been so much put on this game. I think, especially from a TSS side, we put so much focus into the Canadian Championship aspect. We've got an, uh, you've got the League One Championship still to win. Do you need to tell your guys that, or do they know it's just half done? Um, well, they're going to obviously get past this one because this is something people have been talking about a lot. As we we knew that there's a potential the league could come down to one game, as it did. So that's been where a lot of the focus is. Um, you know, if we were out of the league running, we probably would be focusing on playoffs by now. So we I'll let them go enjoy this, and then we'll have a quick turnaround. I think it's Unity that we host next week. Yes. And Mike's got a heck of a good team. If he's full strength, which he hasn't been for a lot of the yes. year. They're going to make it really difficult for us. So uh, if we think that we can uh, walk in here next week and stroll through Unity, we are going to learn the hard way. So I think the guys know that, and and I think they want to play at BC Plays. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. Good, good luck. So happy for you. I Thank you. said in the commentary, if it wasn't us, there's no one else I'd rather get this opportunity than you in the club. So well done. That. We've done a history, don't we? You do. Great. We do. So, I mean, this, this is a great opportunity for for Steve, Zach. I mean, we, we've known Steve Simonson for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's been involved in BC soccer for such a long time. And to get this opportunity now, I mean, it's fantastic. It's also a big headache. It's a lot of work for the club to do. But, yeah, he, he deserves this opportunity. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how it plays out for them. I'm still hoping that they might still expand it further and TSS might still get in next year. This might be just clutching at straws by this point but I, I do have to say and I, I would I genuinely would have said this because ha, I've had this discussion before even if TSS had won it I'm not sure how I feel about the regular season champion getting that spot which is I, so backwards to how you usually I, I, I know see I'm all for it if there's not playoffs but now you've got the League 1 BC Championship that doesn't mean anything apart from you're lifting a, a little wooden plate. And it, it feels that this was the cup final. This was the championship game. But now there's more games still to be played. So they have to try and get a way around that. And I think from next year, they have the answer to that. Because we talked about the women's interprovincial championship. Next yeah. year, they're having the men's one. So I think in that case, yep. Yeah, Give the supporters supporters shield. Give the Juan de Fuca plate winner. I don't know. Give the which is the white caps this year, but give the regular season champions the the spot in the Canadian Championship, which I think is right because it's it's rewarding the season, and give the interprovincial spot to whoever wins the playoffs. So that's fine next year. It's, it's just tough this year. 
because it does feel it's devalued the championship. I always want the regular season to be rewarded for something. It's just a shame there's not two spots. Maybe there will be. Maybe there will be changes. And that's taken nothing away from the Highlanders. They will now host Unity next week, whereas TSS hosts the Whitecaps. Can't play at Swan Guards. There's a good chance that that's actually going to be a double header up at Ken Woods uh, with Whitecaps taking on TSS in both the men and the women's game. But it's going to be exciting anyway. Check the action out. Only the Highlanders game is probably going to be getting streamed, so there's a chance to get out and take in some fantastic local football. Highly recommend it. Because VFC's not at home next weekend, are they, Zach? No, no. So definitely a chance to get out. But let's talk about the CPL in Vancouver FC now. Zach's put up with me talking about League One that he doesn't really care about. Now we'll talk about the CPL that we both care about. Not enough for me to, to choose that to go to. <laughs> but I mean, I had a miserable Saturday. had a miserable Friday, even though it was a good game. Miserable Thursday with uh, the Canadian women. We'll talk about that next part. You had a miserable Saturday as well, so we're just basking it, in the misery now. It was it was uh, it was a hot day. Like I know, like you've been before. All of that game was hot, or that day was hot at the stadium. And I haven't the other days. I don't know. I don't know if it was more breezy or just oh, the moment. maybe the moment was so big. Well, also, it it did say in the app, because Caitlin sent me this, it was 28 here and 21 in Victoria. Oh, yeah. So was, there was a big difference be, yeah. between the two. So, I mean, 28 here is probably pushing 30 or something out, out in Langley. Yeah, it was. I don't know what it was, but it was a warm. And then, yeah, I, I really I really don't like Meyer Bevan. <laughs> I, I actually do like Meyer Bevan. That's good. You can have him. I, I, I'll take him for TSS. Yeah, he'd be a great fit. <laughs> you, know, you know why he'd be a great fit? Because there's never, ever going to be VAR in League One BC. Very true. The dude There, there belong- should be, the- though, because the refereeing performances yeah, this true. season have left a lot to be desired. But they have Meyer- in the CPL as well. Meyer Bevan is a player that can really only play in a league with, where there's no VAR because he embellishes... Uh, play acts, simulates, whatever you want to say, to a high degree, of which, unfortunately, uh, I think Vancouver FC has been on, uh, I, I don't know if it's the worst end of the season, but definitely on the wrong end a couple of times this season. Yeah. Like he I, ruined he ruined his his uh, his over-embellishment of what, to me, wasn't even really a foul uh, from Rocco Romeo in the opening game, ruined that game. I mean, the players oh, saw yeah. they got a draw, but... That one for yeah. me was never a, a sending off and it was a it was a borderline questionable foul. I think there was one in the away game that wasn't as bad if memory serves correct. But even in this game, in the five minutes in or whatever, uh at, at the time I thought, okay, maybe he doesn't really get pulled back. But when I watch the replays, I'm like, yeah, he he can feel Pele uh you know, he can feel contact from Pele and he goes down. Right? And I to me I understand why it's given as a penalty. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, oh, this should never, ever, ever be a penalty. But when you know it's Meyer Bevan, you know he's embellishing. So Josh Haird. And oh we're not worse than that. And we'll and and when we're done talking about the game, I'll I'll tell you about a conversation I had with Meyer Bevan where he uh, fully admitted to that. <laughs> okay. 
obviously we won't break down the game detail by detail, or we could be pushing a four-hour show at this. Well, rate. because well, because but, the game was the game was that ruined the game. Oh, right? oh, it did, and it's like it ruined the the first meeting between the two teams as well. At, well, but at, at least the, the first one, the the battle and the whatever, like it was still a it was still a good game. Um, it, but it ruined. It, I mean, God B's comments. You know, I read um, Felipe's article for, on AFTN. Uh, about the game is it yeah Afshin was right like it, it ruined the game it was I don't think it was the right call uh, he's right about was... that I do feel though that Afshin needs to rein it back blaming the referees constantly uh, well I think the only times where he's blamed the referees have been legitimate if I'm honest with you Michael like I don't I know people say oh you're biased whatever but like there have been some horrendous calls that they've been on the end of now they've had horrendous calls go their way as well like we talked mm -hmm. about with uh you know the goal again. The goal was called back for offside for Ottawa a week or two ago, or whenever that was. That was you know miles yeah, offside. But they have a bad ones, um, like you think of the Canadian Championship yeah, it's, depriving us of a, a first ever Vancouver derby. Yeah, that was uh, that was that's a, a a prime example. But um, this really did did like ruin the game because even if the ref was like buying what's what what Be what Bevan was selling. Um, it's to me, it was not the the time or the place to give a red card. He could have very easily gone away with a yellow card within yep. the laws of the game, but he he chose otherwise. Well, yeah, because like this is the like what I will say on this is I I think it was a penalty, and I think from the referee's angle, it definitely will have looked like a penalty because of the way that Meyer manages to sell these things, it was never a red card for me. And th there's a comment left in Felipe's article on AFTN, someone saying definitely was, explained the law of the game. And yeah, if it was a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity, a clear goal-scoring opportunity, red card. I don't think that was a clear opportunity for Meyer because he was going, f he's going away from goal. So he had Callum at the near post and it would be asking a lot for him to have put it in from there. Not impossible, but to me, it was not a clear goal-scoring opportunity that his in on goal was just to keep it to beat. So I don't. I, I think a yellow would have been fine, but yeah, that was not a red for me. So having um, pointed out the the least sporting and most frustrating part of Cavalry's game, I can't help but also point out the positives, um, which Felipe did in his article as well. But um, I'll point out a couple others. In addition, Ali Musi was uh, oh, he was fire. excellent. Yeah, like that that uh, roulette he did to then take a shot uh, where Irving made Irving made the save, and then Camargo uh, scored the rebound to make it three one. Uh, was phenomenal. His goal uh, to make it, I know it was four or five. I can't remember which goal it was now, but um, his goal. What time is that? Yeah, exactly. His well, goal late late in the game was one o five a.m. at the moment, but. <laughs> His goal late in the game was uh, was amazing. Like it was it was a high quality move on the top of the box and like really great great finish. Yeah, there was some good finishes. There was some good pressure from Cavalry. Now obviously they're playing up a man, but they moved yeah. the ball around seamlessly. Yeah, the other, the other good points is I mean um, for all the you know for every Meyer Bevan, Cavalry has like one or two players who I, I do appreciate and respect. Um, you know, not least of which is, of course, is Marco, Marco Carducci. It was really great to be able just to talk to him uh, before the game a little bit. And, um, uh, yeah, hear just a little bit about how he's doing, how, 
you know, his re physical recovery from testicular cancer is going and how, you know, his season's been going and how life is. And uh, Marco Carducci is obviously someone we have a lot of time for on the show. And yeah. if Steve was here, um, he might call Maxime Kripo yeah. to make up for that. Because he, they're so similar. He's always yeah. mixing them up. Um, but no, so it's good to see Marco. Um, and then uh, I had a brief moment with Ben Fisk, who obviously also scored a goal in the game and, and really enjoyed the fact that he scored a goal. Uh, but have a lot I, of, I don't think I mentioned this last week. And I, I went into the the files that they put all the post-game press conferences on, but they didn't, they didn't have it up, which was after the Cavalry game last weekend, um, Scott Strasser had asked a question to, to Ben Fisk and said, oh, it's Scott Strasser from AFTN. And Alex had told me this. Ben's like, oh, hey, say hi to all the AFTN guys <laughs> back in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. ben, ben is a... A quality, a quality fellow as well, just like Marco. Yeah. Um, so it was good to see him score. And then from a Vancouver FC perspective, it was uh, it was nice for you know Diaz to. Where to are score Diaz? Again. Oh, his yeah. first home goal. Yeah, down a man, left footed. Yeah. Is he going to average a goal a game now and win the Golden Boot? I mean, while, no. whilst Vancouver finished bottom of the league with a, a minus, however much goal difference i don't think anyone would be surprised with that one thing that's really interesting well, is well bevan's going to be suspended for a little bit <laughs> well yeah that's yeah much deserved um but um no one thing that's interesting to, for going to be for me is will Afshin continue with playing hundal with diaz i don't really think I, they I think that was the, the plan but yeah it doesn't look fully no. working no, and that I think that needs to change. Like even when the, the lineups came out, I was just like, "Oh man!" Like really, Batar's not playing. Like he was, he was so creative, in the, especially the last home game, so creative and for himself, for other players. Uh, I would have much rather seen seen him be a part of that. One of the one of the interesting thing was Bakari was not in the eighteen. I saw him before the game, talked to him as well. I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like. Yellow card accumulation. He's like, he's like, no, that was last match. And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, just coach's decision. And he was cool about it, respectable about it. But I was like, mm. oh, that's that's unfortunate. And then the way things played out with Pele, you're like, oh, yeah, I would have maybe yeah. preferred, maybe would have preferred. Oh, I would have preferred Ibrahim being there. But... The, I, I, I genuinely would be surprised if Afshin is putting Pele ahead of Bakari, but. Yeah, something. Who knows? Something happened. Maybe it's workload. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe yeah. other. But well, obviously, Pelly will be. I, I hadn't actually three. noticed that when I saw the eighteen. I, yeah. I probably thought he was suspended as well. If I if I had noticed he wasn't in it. So it I, yeah. So Bakari, you presume is potentially in that spot next time, or yeah, Anthony White or whatever. Whatever. But um, he's having a great season. It's great to to see. Yeah. It, it's tough though when you're a young centre back that's come in and you've got a defence that's shipping goals. So heavily, yeah. But yeah, of course, it, 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 it's, it's that's one of the hardest things of the season is that that not just the preseason because I know we talked about how that could be dece deceptive, um, but just the, the early season form at the back that was so encouraging has yeah, not totally withered, but is. I mean, it, it's a concern, and although I was partly joking about Diaz winning the the Golden Boot. Whilst who knows what the goal difference is going to be for Vancouver, it is looking like that. 
it, it's almost feeling that Diaz has to score more goals than they're going to let in if that's yeah. going to be their only way that they're going to come away with, with wins and points in some of these games. Yeah. And it's only going to get tougher as the season kind of gets into on. the business end and folk yeah. really it, battling for, for points. There are other moves that they are wanting to make uh, and some that, they, some that they hope will work out uh, to be made possible. Um, Is it Camilo? No, no. Um, it, but yeah, I, mean, I know you want to talk about how. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> I know Vancouver FC and obviously specifically Rob Friend played a significant role in the league uh, making progress in terms of their roster rules this week. I don't know if you want to talk about that before I talk more about Meyer Bevan, or should I talk more about Meyer Bevan? No, first? we'll 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 finish the game because. Okay. I, I want to talk about, because obviously it wasn't just the one sending off, because there was three sending offs in this yeah. game for anyone that hasn't seen it. Two of them coming in the second half from a clash that Meyer Bevan had with Kanani of Vancouver FC. And it was all after a tackle from Meyer Bevan on, I can't know, who, who did he take out? Oh, now I can't even remember who it was. It was on the right-hand side of Vancouver's, I don't know, was it, was it uh, James Cameron? Oh, remember. it was it was James Cameron. Yes, yeah. yeah, it was. It was a horrendous tackle, and for me, it was a straight red. But he didn't get a straight red; he got a yellow card. And then there was a little bit of pushing and shoving, and Kanani just lost it and pushed Bevan twice, once right in the face. And as soon as you saw that, it's like, yeah, he's getting sent off. So then the referee, and I don't know if it was the fourth official or the linesman, but they had, they had a bit of a conflab anyway. And then red cards were shown to both Bevan and Kanani. I don't understand Bevan's red because he had been booked for the challenge. And I, I know there's some referees listen to this, so, so please let me know if I'm wrong here. But if you've been booked... Can a linesman or fourth official say to you, oh, I think you should have given him a red, and then you change your mind and give the red card? Because that's VAR, almost, without the video. Yeah, no, like, dude, referee, as far as I know, and you, uh, our friends can uh, correct this, but referee's assistants can totally come and say, hey, you missed something. That was this, or that was that, or or whatever. Uh, my other question would be... Would, yeah, you... I mean, they can, I, I understand that they can do that, but just because the card had been issued, can they revoke the card? Well, that's the other thing is he didn't revoke it, so maybe Bevan got a red for being involved in the after. Well, that was the thing as well because if I that's what I think it was. I think he was sent off for the the aftermath, but in that, for all you think of Bevan, Zach, I don't know if you've watched it back on the TV. Yeah, I watched. Meyer Bevan did nothing in that. He did not react. Right, but he's Meyer Bevan, so. <laughs> but but um but but I will say. The, the in the referee's opinion or the referee uh the team of referee's opinion he must have done something because it also it was not a second yellow no it was a straight red it was a straight red right so yeah i feel bad for and here's the awkward thing too we talk about the level of officiating and how it's not at where the league is at in its growth curve or whatever um but i think if uh and now, personally, I think Bevan's kick out at James 
or yeah, Cameron is worthy of a straight red. And oh, I think it was. It, it if the referee was. gives a red in that moment, Kinani Amir doesn't react at all. Like there's nothing for him yeah. to react to, and that's that, right? So uh, the, the I, like Tommy said post game, he thought it was red. So yeah. So the management of the match, uh, uh, and just the the quality of decision making from from that match official, yeah, was very 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 poor. Um, just on that quickly, and like going back to League One stuff, this is just some discussions uh, that we've had over the week. I I I I don't like VAR. I like just the old fashioned way, and mistakes get made, and that's the talking point. It's always been the talking point, and I know it's frustrating when it goes against your team. And we've we've both had it with our teams this weekend. And for all the talk about Canada soccer investing in players and giving the players the money that they need and youth stuff, they have to do better in refereeing development. Because yeah. there's more pro and semi-pro teams coming in. There's more games. They need more professional referees. They need better training. They need better developmental pathways at the high level. Yeah, because we're not. Yeah, we're professional. We're trying to professionalize so many aspects of the game, and ultimately, referees have to be a part of that. And that is a case people don't understand. That's not the job of the CPL. That's the job of the 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 governing football association, association which is the CSA. So yeah, it's uh, yeah with all these things going on and all this talk about how how little money there is. One of the things that uh, people should be concerned about in terms of whether one of the areas that needs growth, which needs requires funding, is uh, is officiating. Absolutely, it's... we need to get, we need to get Chris Harrop out there more. I think we should. I wonder if he'd want to come on the show and chat about stuff. I, I'd like to talk to referees more and get them on on the show. And the, ch- the one chance that I had to chat to Howard Webb and. Steve got a chance to chat to him as well. It's fascinating because you don't get those opportunities very often. No. Um, he uh, Chris Harrop has done, I know, some MLS Next Pro. Yeah. Hmm. I think I have seen him. He was the fourth official, actually, in one of the League One BC games recently as well. But was there anything else you wanted to say about Meyer Bevins? Yeah, so Meyer Bevins, <laughs> after the game was over, I was under the south stand packing things up, getting ready to go, and the Cavalry team bus was there. And there was this moment where Meyer Bevan was by himself walking to the team bus, and I was there by myself. I and I couldn't, I, I could not, see, no, no, no. I, we were, we, I was inside the stadium still, and there's just like fencing or whatever. But I, I couldn't not say something. So I just, so I just said, Hey, Meyer. And he was like, Hey, I was just like, uh, What did I, what did I say? Oh, I said, I said Yeah, I think I said, um, What do you, like, what are you going to do when VAR comes into the thing? And he said something to the effect of, "Oh, I took," and he was refer- referencing to the, the his sending off. He he just basically said, "I took a swing at him and I got sent off." Like it was whatever it was, what it was. And I said, "No, that, that was because I didn't really see that in the live, right? Like it was you know near near ha- midfield." Um, and, uh, and I was like, "No, I was like, I'm, I'm more I'm more talking about your your dive your diving." <laughs> and then he uh, he made so I can't remember the exact words his comment, but he ended by saying. Yeah, you know, basically, if var, if, if their vars come in, he's like, I I'll still do it, kind of thing. And I was just like, okay, so well, it's, it's like Lucas Cavallini. Cavallini knows that there's var all over the place that hasn't changed yeah. his game. But it did. It did. That's not um, diving. That's just it, like it, recklessness. Yeah, yeah. 
it just it, I, I have a lot less respect for him like just the multiple times he's yeah i mean yeah. i i do like Meyer raven but yeah let, let, let's move on the 5-1 defeat it leaves vancouver fc rooted at the bottom of the table it's a tough order there's 12 games left and right now they're nine points off the playoffs it's not impossible it's highly unlikely that the playoffs in the postseason, Afshin's still confident. Do you have any hope that they're going to do it with these new additions that's coming in? Uh, I mean, yeah. As the commercial on the Women's World Cup reminds me, you know, impossible is nothing. Um, but uh, no, it is, yeah, it's, the odds are against them. It's unlikely, but obviously I hope, I hope that uh, we, we can... Uh, we can work hard enough and get the results and have maybe even some like, I don't know, fair officiating to not hinder things. Um, but no, uh, uh, yeah, it is unlikely. It would be awesome if it does happen. I am crazy busy the two weeks after the two weekends after the season. <laughs> so you'd be, you'd be fine if they're not in it. So well, if they're, they're not in it, they're not going to be getting a home playoff game anyway. Well, but that doesn't mean I, I wouldn't want to be there, you know? Huh. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at the table as well, it's like, it, it's, aside from Vancouver FC and Valor's kind of falling away a little bit as well, there are six points separating this, the top six places and one point separating the top three with Cavalry just leading the way from Pacific. So it's shaping up to be a very exciting sort of run into the season. It's It's been a really intriguing season. Like... I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Last year... I kind of fell out of it a little bit, but I'm, I've really been enjoying it. Last couple of just quick CPL things to talk about. The league did introduce uh, a new initiative, a new signing mechanism, very MLSE this week. It was the Exceptional Youth Talent. It was announced on Thursday. Clubs can now add two extra players to their roster, taking rosters up to 25, if they're under 18 and exceptional. They can remain there till they're 21, or I guess if they're no longer exceptional, they can just get kicked. It's like, yeah, you, you were exceptional, now you're just average, see ya. But Vancouver FC made their first official signing with that mechanism, and it was the aforementioned James Cameron. Is this a titanic move by the league? <laughs> oh, you're, that was a good one. Oh, he was the first signing to it, but they also TJ is one of the one of the players as well. So we actually have two. I I didn't see that in the release. So he is on that as well. Because yeah, I thought he might, yeah. he must be. Yeah, because Forge also signed somebody. Uh, I, I do know Rob Friend has been pushing the league towards this for a long time, and that was one of the I think the reasons why TJ's uh, initial announcement was kind of like slow in coming at the beginning of the season because they were like they were mm. trying to get this through. Whatever, and it may have been. I don't know when it actually became official. Oh, sorry. I don't. I know when it became official, obviously, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I know that. I know that TJ was a big part of that, right? And yeah. TJ is a how should we put it? A highly sought after young player in, uh, you know, in in the CPL in the in the province of BC with great potential to to kick on. And so, yeah. It, if Cameron signed under exceptional youth talent. What could we call the mechanism that's brought Daniel Henry to Halifax? <laughs> I knew you were going to dig at the, at the poor guy. He came I, on uh, today. I, I, I watched that game. 
the fog was coming in. It was fantastic. Was that they? They won two one, right? Is that right? One nil. One nil. Wait, I'm I'm messing up. But they weren't playing Valor, were they? No, they're playing Atletico. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, it's the Valor. Valor lost two one. Yeah, so good for Danielle. Good for his Wanderers. Well, he was I'm, a sub. Yeah. He, he, it's like he came on with five minutes, and they still managed to keep the ball out the net. So that is a positive. Yeah. He yeah, didn't put it in. I was waiting for an own goal, but it, uh, job done, man. Job done. Yeah. I honestly, I'm looking forward to looking forward to him coming here. Like that'll be exciting to to see him play. We'll see. But that is it for our CPL chat. That is it for our chat about the club game. We're turning our attention to the international scene next. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Stephanie LeVay, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. It's the final part of our bumper show and kicking it off, another song from the 53rd and a 3rd record label out of Edinburgh in the 1980s. That was Tallulah Gosh with a song called Tallulah Gosh. A band from Oxford. I always thought they were Scottish. Uh, just because it was the Scottish label and all the other artists were, but they were out of Oxford, released in 1987, name coming from an interview headline in the NME with Scottish legend Claire Grogan from Altered Images. The, The lines in that song, Zach, are one of the lines, her life will be a movie. And you've got to think, the Christine Sinclair at some point, they're going to probably make a movie of her life. The most goals scored by a player at international level, Canadian legend, everything that she's done for the game here. If they do make that movie, though, there's a couple of bits, one part in particular from this week that you might be watching from behind the sofa or through, like, closed fingers. Or, or Steve, Steve would be in the fetal position. Yes. <laughs> Canada drew their opener down under. Now, now, with Nigeria. And there was... A big part of that game, I would say Nigeria looked a better team. 
the, the more Eagles. the more dangerous team and likely to score is maybe a better way of saying it. The Super Eagle Eagles were definitely you know the ascending side for a bunch of them. I mean, when when you're going between you know the teams are the Super Eagles and the no official. No official, no official nickname, nickname, which is absolutely fantastic that that has now become their official how, nickname. How what? Like, there are so many nicknames for the. I know Larouge. I, I I genuinely thought Larouge was the the official nickname, or the Maple yeah. Leafs of nothing. Maple else. Leafs, Canucks. Or, yeah, Canucks or the Reds or like yeah, it's that's I don't know how so. Again, not only do we not have a women's domestic league here, we yeah. don't even have a bloody nickname for them. Yeah. I mean, some of the Matildas. Some of the nicknames are not great. Matildas is fine. Some of them on that list were pretty pathetic, and some of them are just traditional. Like the French are les bleus, like the men's, right? Um, which is fine. But um, football I, there couple, ferns. There was a couple that were not good. I can't remember what they are now. Right now. <laughs> but yeah, it was nil nil. There was a decisive moment to start of the second half, and all the early games were getting penalties. It was crazy. It's also kind of crazy that two of the best players that's played the game in recent years, Christine Sinclair and Alex Morgan both missed penalties. Yeah. And neither of the penalties were very good. No. Yeah, you talk about decisive moment in the match. To me, there's, I, I was working, so I couldn't watch the match live. The decisive moment was, mm. for me, was uh, finding out that Jesse Fleming was injured. Yeah. When I saw the lineup, I was just like, wait, what's going on? I was like, she's on the bench. What's, it wasn't until later I found out she was not fit to play. But that was the key moment. I mean, you look at Canada's run to the gold medal, and the, some of, if not the most decisive moments, are Fleming taking penalties in one nil knockout match victories, right? Yeah. And if you think you think Fleming's on, you think that goes in, and that changes, changes the game, changes the start to the tournament, changes the confidence levels, changes the prep for the next game. I mean, it's a it's a massive uphill battle. I mean, massive. I, I felt for sink. With everything oh, yeah. that she's done for the, the program and the game here, because she's carried the weight of everything on her shoulders for years. And it's always been who's gonna who's gonna take over from Christine Sinclair? Who's gonna get the goals if Christine doesn't play? So she she stood up, she take took the penalty, she looked nervous. Yeah. And I mean it just wasn't it wasn't a great penalty. It, and to be honest, if Canada had come away with a victory, I don't think they deserved it. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you deserve it. No. Right? This is tournament football. It, it, it is so weird. Not weird. It's so almost hard to comprehend how the greatest scorer, not only in women's football, but in men's internet, like all of international football, can be can so lack confidence from the spot. And it's not just like, oh, this is the first one she's missed. It's been a number now that where she has not been confident and is not taking them well, which is in part, I think, why she passed the, the baton onto Fleming. Who, who and, do you think should have taken it then from who was on the uh, pitch? There was someone... Oh, well, okay. Uh, again, I don't think her penalty was great to win the gold medal match, but what about Julia Grosso? Yeah, because I thought Grosso or Haitama. Yeah. Well, I would have I would have probably go with Grosso over Haitama. I think Grosso, even even though her uh, her penalty wasn't great to win the World Cup, the thing that got it got it into the back of the net was the power she put yeah. on it. And one of the things lacking from Sinclair's penalty definitely was power. Well, that's the thing, too. You haven't done great on penalties. Don't put it on the ground, but smash it in the middle of the net. Shoot it hard, it, straight in the middle of the net. The keeper's going to dive. If they get a foot to it, they get a foot. Like, but not a weak shot that's at the perfect height and like 
a slower pace for a keeper who's going to dive one way to get to, right? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always interesting. It's, it's kind of been a week to talk about penalties, really, with the, the Whitecaps and then this, and then Highlanders mm-hmm. winning with the penalty and the Vancouver FC game. It's it's definitely been the, the week of penalties. We're speaking to the TSS women's keeper, Kirsten Tynan, who's a wonderful person both on and off the pitch. And I was mentioning to her, I don't know if you've heard this, because I haven't really seen it talked about, but it was chatted about in one of the Scottish podcasts I listened to. Do you know that IFAB have changed the, the rules for penalty shootouts? It's what keepers can't do during penalties now. Oh, they can't dance about on their line. They can't do the Bruce Grobelar wobbly legs thing. They can't touch the bar. Oh, yeah. Nor talk Neuer. to the penalty taker. Neuer likes to do that. Um, but so that's all going to come in in the changes. But the, it, uh, it's still like they have to, like the two feet on the line yeah. and all that. And, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that could change things as well. That's, but, weird, I mean, that they, that's weird that they get rid of that gamesmanship. Yeah, like, cause I, keepers, I, I like keepers, it. keepers have very little advantage, like yeah. very little leverage, right? They, they're a seventy-seven percent favorite to allow a goal. Like, give them something. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can also counter that by saying they shouldn't have a a chance because they're being penalized for for giving away a penalty. Uh, but in a shootout, they should be allowed shootout, to do stuff yeah. like that. But it was a nil-nil draw. It now makes it very interesting because Australia, who also looked a little bit nervy, but they came away with a narrow win over Ireland in their first well, game. Well, Sam Kerr was injured too, right? Yeah. So Fleming out, Kerr out, it changes the group. Or... Oh, it does, because I, I was quite impressed with Ireland, and yeah. especially in the later stages. They really took it to, to the Aussies, and I do not think that this is an easy game on Wednesday. Canada, no, I don't, Ireland. Think, I don't think it is at all. And and then Kerr is supposed to. Oh, that was the last I heard, which might have changed. Was that they they think she'll be back for the Canada match? Because if Ireland were to get a point from that game, Ireland's going to fancy their chances of going through against Nigeria in the last game. Yeah. If anyone's listened to the AFT Extra podcast that we brought out this week, oh, chat yeah. with Har, and she's. She, Steph LeBay, most folk thought they'll get through the group quite comfortably. I thought probably uh, uh, would, but I didn't know how comfortably. I, I don't know, but comfortably, man. This is the, the group of death, is it not? That's what but, I keep hearing. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it, it, it's looking like that. And Ireland knocked out Scotland. It's clearly a, a very good team. It's been an interesting <laughs> tournament so far. US didn't look fantastic against Vietnam. Didn't blow them out the waters. Yeah, but do you not prefer that to what they did to... Oh, I much was it, prefer it. Was it, was it uh, North Korea last time or whatever yeah. it was? And they were like gloating. Or not last time. Was it no, last no, time? I, I I saw the, the North Korean news clip about that. North Korea won that one. Wait, what? North Korea beat the US 2-0. I saw the video from NK News. <laughs> nice, Michael. Um, but no, it was I, whoever it was last time at the where the France World Cup was it not where they were like they thrashed them like thirteen yeah. nil, like, and they kept oh, going. They didn't take their foot well, off the pedal. It wasn't just that it wasn't even the it kept going. I can live with, but it was the, the way they celebrated the goals and stuff. Was, I don't think it was against North Korea. I can't remember who it was, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, England, Thailand, I don't know. It was someone in South Asia. South England didn't look great against Haiti. They squeaked by with a 1-0 penalty as well. Japan's looked really good. The way that they moved the ball, and they had 
the same player had a couple of goals disallowed as well for VAR. They, they my understanding is they're uh, uh, at uh, in the not the middle of, but they're at a they're doing a rebuild that's been much quicker than most of the other countries, and so they they could uh, they could do some damage to Japan. I, I liked how they moved the ball about. I mean, oh no, I think it's been a very good well, tournament. I've been, I've in, really enjoyed it so far, despite the kickoff times. Plus, you know who loves having Japan play at their stadiums. The grounds crew. Oh, yes, because they clean up <laughs> afterwards, which is fantastic. It's going to be tough. Um, I I think Ireland will get something from this game on Wednesday. Yeah, so you think Canada will be at two points going into Australia, needing an, absolutely needing a win. Yeah. Um, which is going to be an interesting one with that crowd behind them. And talking of the crowds, it's been mixed, but it's not been too bad. And you've got to remember when we hosted it, there was games that 10,000... On the whole, though, we did really like a really great as a, for. Oh overall. no, yeah, uh-huh. but I mean, some of them. I, yeah. I think it's. I think they've done well. It's been a bit of a harder sell in New Zealand than than Australia, but yeah, it, it's been good. And I was really pleased for New Zealand as well getting their victory. I was cheering them on. Go the football ferns. Boy, my Meyer Bevins from New Zealand, right? Yeah. 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 So you, you've turned against them now. Oh but, yeah, but Boxel, yeah. yeah. Mm. That, that, that's the Women's World Cup so far. So that's pretty much it now for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm sure your ears will be grateful for that. But of course, we can't go without this episode's wavelength. Your ears might not be so grateful for that one. I, I've gone for a, a, a weird song for this what? week. I know. Never. It's Never. from 1980. This is the A-side of two football-themed songs and a single. And if you're good, I'll play the B-side next week. Or if you don't leave lots of likes and good comments on iTunes, I'll play the B-side next week. Because this is possibly the better of the two sides. It's by Brian Clough. Oh. He's on the record. Yeah. It's listed as Brian Clough, JJ Barry and Friends. So there's a couple. Peter Taylor is also on the record. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's an interesting one. It's called You Can't Win Them All. And with the way that the results have gone for our teams in the last four days, <laughs> I think we can agree with that sentiment. Here's Cluffy. here and football's my game but it's more than a game it's a wonderful sport it's responsible for bringing together the people of the world so let's look after it protect it it's ours it's a great equalizer so always remember at all times you can't win them all you can't win them all football's the game i love most of all but everyone knows that's how it Just lady luck 
having her say So remember you fool When life's going great Don't forget the hard times And stop tempting fate You can't win them all You can't win them all Football's the game I love most of all But as everyone knows That's how it goes You can't win them all You can't win them all Starting now, Nishkin's going down the wing He's crossed the Beckenbauer and he heads down to Keegan. A one-two with Dalgleish. He takes on two defenders. Brady takes over. He, he lobs to Croy. He's in the 30-yard box. It's a short pass to Pelle. He shoots. It's in. What a goal. One nothing in the final 20 seconds. It's just as Peter Taylor as you can. This is. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. Football's a game I love most of all. When the team you support loses a game, don't you go around looking for somebody to blame. It's a toss of a coin, it's a look of the draw. Football's a game, it's not making war. You can't win them all, you can't win them all. Football's the game I love most of all. But as everyone knows, that's how it goes. You can't win them all. Brian Clough, JJ Barry and friends, you can't win them all. That's certainly been the story for our teams this week. Hopefully by next week, it'll be a different story that we are telling. But that is it now for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. We're going to give our goodbyes and we're going to end the show uh, on a bit of a sad point as well with some of the stuff we're Mm going to talk about here. But um, any final thoughts from you, Zach? What what do you want to talk about uh, in this part? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. I, yeah, I think the only thing I wanted to talk about at the end of the show is the same thing that you did. So yeah, yeah. So it it's been a a tough few days in the football community for for losses um, here NBC and also players that's got like BC connections. First of all, just want to send condolences from everyone at AFTN to Brad Knighton and his family. If you didn't hear, his daughter Olivia tragically lost her life in a boating accident and just absolutely heartbreaking, Zach. Yeah, tragic. I think I learned about it like most people did on his social media post about it. Yeah. Well, um, I, I learned about it from you. Yeah, you well, I messaged, you, message I, messaged you, I messaged you as soon as I saw it. Yeah, because I, I was at Whitecaps training. I was like, what? And I was like, oh. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I just I I just message him and yeah I as a parent yeah I can't I can't imagine the amount of grief that yeah him and his wife and their 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 other two kids are are walking through right now but um yeah just yeah praying for them and um yeah trusting that in in the midst of or on the other side of the the grief they'll they'll be able to to find peace and 
Yeah. So the, the other two things I want to mention in this part is from the, the BC soccer community. First of all, Phil Rendell, a Pacific FC fan, passed away unexpectedly in his sleep. The mm. Lakeside boys had a, a minute of silence and in honour of Phil in, in their game this week. And it's just a tragic story. His wife and kids were, were at the game as well and they just so much support. There's a GoFundMe for, for the Rendell family as well. And that was one of the sad pieces of news from Ireland football. The other one is involving the Naima United Division 2 player and Harborside FC staff member, Reed Davidson. Oh, yeah. Reed also played for VIU Mariners and had a lot of connection with Kamloops and the, the youth soccer community there. He's, he's a nephew of Victor Lizzie that's uh, involved with Rivers FC as well and uh, his current cousin Alessandro also plays on the team there. But Reed sadly passed away this week, aged 24, was in a, a motor vehicle accident, which by the looks of it, that was a, a drunk driver going the wrong way on the highway and ploughed into Reed's car. And it's been absolutely devastating, obviously, for the Nanaimo soccer community. It was really tough for Harborside today to, to go out and play those two games. And Reed's family wanted those games to go ahead and they encouraged folk to turn up wearing the, the jersey of the teams he supported, like the Canucks and the Raptors and the Seahawks. The folk were signing messages. Altitude signed a scarf for, for his family as well. Mm. And it's just been a really tough weekend on the island and just with Brad Knighton as well. And we just wanted to send our condolences to everyone here at AFTN. Soccer's uh, it's a great sport. It brings people together. It's a community. When things mm. like this happen, you you really feel the, the, the love and it fills a lot of those voids and things that happen. And football... It's such a great sport because we've seen it in the games that we've talked about as well. There's highs, there's lows, there's the community and we just hope everyone can can deal with everything that's happened, those affected especially. And yeah, rest in peace, Reed. Rest in peace, Phil. Rest in peace, Olivia. So no real easy way to end the show after that. Just want to say thank you for listening as always. You can find us on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, aftn.ca. If you've enjoyed the episode, leave some nice comments on the iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Likes always helps with the algorithms and all of that. We will be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the caps and Ali La Rouge. <laughs> Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.